Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride. Hayes Carline is here. Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson as well as we embark on a Friday afternoon show. A little dreary. This week went by fast. It zipped by, didn't it? Wow. Here's the beauty. The sun's out now, by the way. It, it, it did come out. Yeah. Here's the beauty of the week zipping by. And the guns are out. Only, Bravo, uh, Brooks, is, she's flexing too, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. yeah Carline the guns and I, are out. Carline right. and I are in here in, in hoodies. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't talking about me. Okay. <laughs> or you. Uh, uh, we're in here in hoodies. Gibby's got the long sleeve sweatshirt on. I'm flexing under okay. my shirt, yeah. though. <laughs> Brooks has got the tank top. I'm not, we're not making this up. Brooks walked in here with the tank top. has been flexing the whole time she's been in here. That's, That's right. a true story. Sorry. If you got them, show them. That's exactly right. Yeah, well said. Um, um, yeah, but here's the good thing about the week going by quickly. Really, only about another oof, 24, 25 weeks we have kickoff. Won't be long. Rick, I Blue, mean, Rick Blue would fight us right now. You know, Rick Blue's biggest peeve yeah, in the world I know. is people that wish their life away for football. I, and I, I couldn't – I mean, we, we have this discussion on our podcast, right. Death, Taxes, and Duval. I, I, I am the complete opposite. If you told me <laughs> – that the Jaguars are going to training camp on Monday, I would be thrilled. Or I mean, they, you have to go through the, the things first. But if you told me, like, next week is free agency, and the week after that is the draft, and then the week after that is, like, an off-season thing for two weeks, and then they take a couple weeks off and then training camp begins, I'd be ecstatic. And I think that's because there's nothing else that you love nearly as much as football, and I get super excited about... Certainly nothing in sports. Right, yeah. yeah. And that's what I meant, in sports. Yeah. I get super excited about every Friday night with gymnastics. I love college basketball. Well, I love Florida basketball, men's basketball. But baseball comes around. For you, if it's not football, there's not really another sport that you're that interested in. So I get it. That's why you're very excited about the combine and things like that. So, so there you go. Yeah. Right. Well, let me, can, I, can I translate that? Yeah. Hayes, you're simple. You don't have much. I am a simple <laughs> Okay. Man. I mean, okay. I'm you're, absolutely you're, a country you're, bumpkin. You're simple. You don't have <laughs> you much. You are wearing so, boots today. So I like the boots. So I'm just some local yokel. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, that's the, 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 and the truth of the matter is the yokelness of our show is just beautiful. If you, I mean, you, you don't, not every show's got yokelness. Mm-hmm. We got some serious yokelness yeah, here. We do okay? have that. I mean, I mean, listen, we got it. We got a producer from Murphy, North Carolina, wherever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. We, got, we, got, we got an on-air host who lived at the beach her whole life and went to some Catholic St. Charles something, okay? Uh, we got he was a, a good saint. Yeah, we we got a we got a got a went to Bowles and drove a Buick and tried to bump into all the Mercedes. <laughs> okay, very true. And then you got a freaking public school guy that would, didn't have air conditioning in high school. You know what that is? Yokeled them. That's right. They're serious yokeled them. People had to have fallen asleep constantly without air conditioning in high school. I never had. I never had central heat. I mean, I went to like places of business that did, but I never went to school or lived with central heating air until I was in junior college. FJC had it. We thought it was awesome. Yeah. I went to F- F- FCJ. I was like, I'm a junior college transfer. I went to FJC. It's what they called it at the time. We had we had air conditioning. I didn't want to like leave the class. It was freaking fantastic. I will I will say this. Whoever invented air conditioning is not the hero they should be. Right. Like I, I agree. That we should have a national holiday in in honor of <laughs> right. whoever invented I don't even know who it is. Right. I mean, this is literally one of the three greatest things ever invented by man. And I can't. Willis t- carrier. 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 There you go. Makes sense. Yeah, that does Did make sense. Did you look it up that fast? Yeah. Really when did good. he really invent good. it? Uh, 1902 is when it, like, he first invented 
an air conditioning system. Obviously, it didn't become a, like I. I honestly should later. like visit his grave and <laughs> pay my respects. It's really well said. I agree with you. I well, and 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 I will tell you, the amount of times as a kid growing up, in the middle of whatever hot season it was, you'd be in the backyard playing whatever sport, or up at the ballpark playing whatever sport, or shooting baskets for hours. I mean, hours in the summer playing baseball in the summer. The times I would walk in inside my house, take my shirt off, and stand in front of that window unit, it was gold. Mm-hmm. Standing in front of a window unit with a sweaty nine-year-old body mm-hmm. and your mom going, don't, don't do that. You're going to catch a cold, Mom. You couldn't pry me away from this window <laughs> unit, no matter, with a chisel. So there was that. Because you didn't have central heating and air, I would think that you would have liked camping more. No. Okay. Never went camping. No, I liked, no, I liked, no, I liked Playing ball and then standing in front of the window unit. The uh, did you drink water out of the hose? As a kid? Absolutely. I mean, that, I mean, I'd still do that. Yeah, I, I mean, we. I can't. I remember. mean, I did that before I walked in the studio. <laughs> like I said, yokel them. I, I mean, there's a country song called "Hose yeah, Water." Yeah, well, of course there is. Okay, of course there is. You're the, welcome. The, uh, the no, I mean, I drank water out of a hose. Give you grow up drinking water out of the hose? Absolutely. You never oh, did. No, of course I did. You, uh, you yeah. started me. You, you did. You drank water. Yes, out of the hose? and then just a few years ago, uh, there was like a hot summer day. We had friends come over. We had already gone to the beach, and then we were sitting in the backyard, and it was still so hot. And I was like, let's just get the hose out and play with the hose. And that's what we did. Have you ever ever lived in any unit with a window unit, any home with a window unit? No. How about you? Yes. Yes. How about you, Gib? Uh, yes. I'm trying to remember. Window yeah, in college, I think. Yeah. You go stand in did front you of ever have, boy? Yeah, the window unit that would freeze? Got really cold. Yeah, yeah. I, we never had a thought or anything like that, no. Yeah, I remember in college we had a house that – had window units and the main one would like sometimes freeze and then right. it became a little bit of a problem but yeah. um but yeah they were fantastic our our the the our the frangie estate i grew up in the estate was about 800 square feet until my dad added a room that was thousand square feet so the uh com our the frangie compound only had one window unit at the one end like the far right end which is where our family room was and then when i was 10 got one in the bedroom Gold. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me tell you. You talk about the happiest day of your life. Yeah. Not only did you just get color TV and Batman was on, but you got color TV, Batman was on, and a window unit in the bedroom. It's a good year. Life was pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ten. Yeah. 1968 was a pretty good. 69 was a pretty good year. Uh, a lot to talk about today. We'll talk Pro Bowl today. Uh, Lauren's got some questions for us at the bottom of the hour. Compliments of our friend D Rock. Um, I want to talk about different quarterbacks and players uh, a little bit. I want to talk about Florida Kentucky hoop. Big game now. In in now. They will lose now because now I think they might win. Right. And so with, with the minute I the minute I give them any credit, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna. But, well, but, there's no chance they're beating Tennessee and then going to Rupp right. and winning. There, but, there's no chance but, that's happening. But, but it is a big game. And you do feel like you feel like everything we've watched. And I'll give both of y'all credit. Y'all have been ahead of me on this. But you do get the sense that maybe they will be competitive in games like this. And Lauren, to your credit, you've said you've you've picked every game to be close, and most of them have been. But maybe they are competitive in a game like. When we got to meet Todd Golden at the spring game last year, there was just something about him. He's just, he's so incredibly smart. And also because he's so young, I thought he's going to relate to these players really well. And that I think is is what he's done. And then he's an excellent basketball coach. I think he's taken players that, that aren't great and he's been able to mix up the personnel enough to where he's got them playing to their strengths. They're really good on defense. And yeah, you never know. Yeah, all right. So uh, you know, it's a it's 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 a year since uh, Peterson was hired. We'll talk about Doug Peterson. What's good about him? What you like about him? Why he's so good? So some Doug Peterson talk. I want to talk a little bit about Trevor and where is Trevor on the list of stars in the NFL? 
Top ten? Stars. 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 You don't have to probably answer not yet. top you, ten. You're probably, but, but in recognizability, stars, we'll get to that. So, Trevor, I want to talk about Doug Peterson, uh, a little bit about the Pro Bowl, stuff that's going on now, all that coming up in a bit. Florida-Kentucky basketball a little bit later on. Uh, Lauren's got some questions uh, per D-Rock. That comes up at the bottom of the hour. Good rumble last night. A fantastic rumble last night. And give Flor- uh, UNF credit, North Florida credit. Boy, I, I will tell you, they, they, they played well. They, JU had been 22-1 and one under Jordan Mincy. Mm-hmm. And I thought UNF took it to them from start to finish. I, I mean, I thought they really took it to them. I thought, Jose Placier, what a player. Now, now no, he's not always that good. He he made he was five of six from three point range in the first half. We were all this courtside. Five of six, and tell me if I'm if I'm embellishing this. I'm trying not to embellish. I don't think any of those five hit the rim. I think it was five swishes. Yes, that's true. I think I, 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 I think all five swished. He swished five three point. I don't think UNF got really a roll all night. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it wasn't a right. fluky win. No, 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 and it didn't. It not. You know, I didn't. You don't know who's better. JU's having has the better record, both conference and non-conference. But it did not feel like the better team did not win the game. It felt like it felt like UNF was the better. Watching them last night, UNF felt like the better team. Certainly wanted it more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, their yeah. energy level was. I mean, exceeded JU yeah. from the start. Really, other than a lull in the second half yeah. for about seven right. minutes. I mean, UNF played like a team that was. Desperately, Desperately needing that win. Yeah, will and I'll be interested to see what happens tomorrow night in round two. Breaks my heart that I won't be there, but we are going to Suzanne and I are going to Orlando very early. We're spending it's Springsteen weekend there, and we've got a lot of meeting some folks down there. And we got plans we already had set down there well before Smart Me realized it was the day two of the Rumble, so I won't be able to see it. But uh, but real credit to you're right, Lauren. Credit it was a great Rumble, and, and again UNF played well, and and um, it's hard in those games because I like both. Coaches so stinking much, and I like both athletic directors so much. I mean, real. I mean, the, those four guys, Jordan and Matthew Driscoll and Alex and, and, and Nick Morrow, are some of the best people, mm-hmm. and I root so freaking hard for them every time they play anybody, but it's clunky when they play each other. It's wonderful. You know what I mean? It's wonderful when they play each other, but it's clunky because you want to see success, I, and I – uh so anyway, congratulations to UNF on a fantastic. They had a great game. embrace too after the game. I mean, it's not just the passing handshake. Like I mean, Matthew no. Driscoll yeah. bear hugs. Yes, Jordan Mincy and and he and Mincy, you know, yeah. gives it right they, back. I mean, you very, can tell there's such admiration yeah. between the two. And they're closer than the coaches at UNF and JU have been in than what I can remember. Not that in the past they didn't like each other, but there's a closeness between them. I know that Jordan, as he said on our show yesterday would really rely on Matthew for what he was an assistant coach trying to get a head job. He would trust his judgment because he was here a lot. And then when he got the JU job, I can still remember Jordan telling me this. He said he got the job. Matthew called to congratulate him, blah, 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 press conference. And then afterwards, um, I don't know who initiated it, but they went to breakfast. They, They said, let's go. And had this long breakfast and all about basketball, Jacksonville, the community, kids, the changing of the game. So that what you pointed out was very authentic. You know, it's a very real relationship between two fantastic guys. So, so yeah, so so it's hard not to root for. Them. But congratulations to UNF. Very, very well-deserved. Very well-deserved, Rumble. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the program when we get to some basketball. Let's talk uh, Peterson, Pro Bowl, Jags, and a whole lot more when we come back to kick off the program. It's 1010XL at 92.5 FM. The last time like I saw Springsteen in Orlando, the porch, the radio 
Me, our, my buddy Rick D, who y'all know. Mm-hmm. Rick drove and decided not to drink, which was a spectacular moment. <laughs> we drove down from Jacksonville. Thank you, Rick. If you're listening now. Mike Bianchi. Chris Harry. Gil Pomar. Gosh, there are about eight of us. Long time ago, Hayes. I can't remember everybody. Went to this little dive bar. About a mile and a half from the arena, which is what it was then. It was before the Amway Center. And then left, uh, concert I guess it was at 8, probably left at 7 to walk over. And there's one straight walk from this dive bar to the arena. Okay, one straight, one road, kind of like a dusty road, almost like a Springsteen song. And Harry and I start singing Thunder Road, which you just heard. And then Bianchi starts. Then Rick and Gil and the rest of our group are singing it. There's probably hundreds of people walking, okay? We start singing Thunder Road. So, I mean, we'd probably have drunk by then. <laughs> the top of our, and this has to be, I don't know, late, late 90s maybe? And whatever. And we're singing it. And all of a sudden, people around us start singing it. And then other people start singing it. And then even people didn't know it, like, or mouth and like they saw it. Sung it. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we, I'll bet, I'm not exaggerating, I'll bet we had. Two, three hundred people walking from this bar area, and they weren't all at the same bar because it was a little bar. This bar area, a lot of them were at the bar, to the concert, singing the entire song of Thunder Road. That's and awesome. then when we were done, we gave ourselves a big applause. <laughs> so we, we literally walked from this bar to the arena singing all of Thunder Road. Gosh, I love concerts. Yeah, I yeah. love stuff. Yeah, like it, that. It, was, it, was an, it was an amazing time. We had a great time. So, uh, yep, Springsteen weekend. Yeah. Maybe you and Suzanne can recreate that Sunday night. Just me, just the two of us walking over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, I don't think she knows the words. So, okay, so, but the, but I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, can I, you ever figure out exactly what that first line says? Mary's dress isn't it? Isn't okay. there a debate between yeah, yeah. people? Sways and waves. Yeah, okay. I thought sways. Okay, have you ever heard him tell the story? No. He tells he told the story on Fallon. This this year is first time he ever told the story. Oh, okay. Okay, he said they've asked him and asked him and asked him and asked him. So he sings it. And he said, um, "He said, I think I get this right. You can, you can, it's on. You can YouTube it. It's on. But he goes, he said, it is sways. That's okay. what I thought. Yes. But I looked back at the lyrics that I wrote, <laughs> and it's waves. <laughs> so it's waves in the lyrics. Interesting. But I've been getting it wrong <laughs> for fifty years. <laughs> and he said, since I've been getting it wrong for all these years." It sways, but if you ever look it up on lyrics.com, it's waves. So there's your answer. I love that answer. That is really, uh, you, you, know, you know the song very well? Mm-hmm. Screen Door Slams, Mary's Dress Waves, Mary's Dress Waves. He's, and I might have gotten it backwards, but he said whatever's, whatever's written mm-hmm. on the lyrics, he said, I've been getting it wrong for 40 years, and I wrote it. Because <laughs> so, so, that's the big, the big conversation. Right. So I'm very surprised he didn't play that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that makes its way into some set list. Because Jungle Land, I love Jungle Land, but Jungle Land, like, and I probably said this yesterday, it's like theater, it's like opera. It's it's it, it, it's a twenty minute song with that long saxophone. You know the song mm-hmm. in, in in the middle of it. So, but the, we'll see. Not that I'm geeked up or anything. Just so y'all know, uh, only two more nights to go to bed before the concert. In case you want to know, that's it, awesome. I'm counting two nights. Okay, so and um and Saturday night we'll go fast because mm-hmm. the car will be parked. 
and I probably won't remember a lot of that night. So it's only one tonight's the only memorable night that I've got left. So there's that. <laughs> what do you have the day of the concert before the concert? We are going to breakfast at a little little breakfast place good. near the hotel, and then no other plans. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, so no other plans. So, so big breakfast. Yeah, big good bre- base. Yeah, and then get some rest. Yeah, and a good base is critical. Yeah, and then, and then go party. And then I would think we will probably, I don't know, I don't know. We got some other friends that are going to be down there, but I I don't know. I don't know. I know I know we're in walking distance of the of the Amway Center. That's what I do. Yeah, I recommend bar hopping. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we're going to do something, but uh, there's no plan. They're the only we've got she's got reservations somewhere for Saturday night. And um <laughs> my wife's reservations person now, okay? I mean, if my wife went to get a quarter pounder at McDonald's, she'd make sure she had a reservation, okay? <laughs> nobody nobody in the world What's that thing open table? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. She has stock in open table. Yeah. There's no question. Because nobody gets reservations. Uh, I bet she hates places that don't take reservations. Can't stand it. She, yeah. It's hard to get her to go. Right? I mean, it's hard to get her to go. I mean, she loves her some reservations. I hope she's making reservations for us for when we're in Indianapolis. Well, you said I can tell you this: uh, the, during the COVID year, mm-hmm. when we were we, we weren't traveling with the team, and so Tony, Jeff, and I are flying individually. My wife made reservations at a steakhouse every year, every week. So she, so yeah, so she did it for us. So maybe I'll have her Beautiful. do it for us at Indy as well. Uh, Pro Bowl's going on. Um, Doug Peterson's been here a year. What what trait stands out to you the most about Doug Peterson as we look back at one year of him being the coach? Relationship builder, you know, I would say is I think getting everybody bought in and not doing it in a way in which it feels like there's a process for the player. You know, it's just a very genuine, authentic, uh, fearless approach. And I, I just think Doug sort of what, what you see is what you get. And I think players respond to that. So as brilliant as he is, is an offensive play caller and, and designer. And, uh, you know, as is, is, is great as his perspective as a former quarterback in the NFL, all that is, is fantastic. But to me, it's, it's his people skills that are is his best trait. Yeah, I think so. I would use the word consistent. I think when a lot of players talk about him, that's what they said this past season. I think also any media that deals with him, he's very consistent. You never walk up to him, and I don't get to talk to him obviously as much as you do, Frank, but you've never told us that you've walked up to him and, oh, he's in a bad mood, or you're afraid to go in his office, or anything like that. He's always down to earth, and he actually enjoys talking to people, which is great. Neither one of you guys said play calling, right? player development, um, teaching quarterbacks. Neither one of you said that, nor will I. I think you guys hit it right on the head. The, the glaring of all the wonderful personality traits about this guy. The glaring one is what a consistently good, relatable guy he is. Relationship building was the perfect phrase because that's what he is. And you made a good point. And I've told you this before. Protocol in the league, we don't talk about it a lot, but protocol in the league is the play-by-play guy gets time just he and the coach beforehand. Just so you know, I mean, if, if so-and-so is going to be a healthy scratch – and you're not going to announce it till Sunday. I want to be able to. I don't want it on my board. I'm preparing the game. Okay. If you're not going to throw the ball to Joe Blow at all, just give me a heads up. You know, just so so I don't. You know, and I keep it all to myself. You know, and that, that's the trust part of it. And I always will. And I've had it with the whole nine years I've been here. I did not have it as much with Urban. I, I, I didn't. And I'm, I'm not trying to hang it on him. We didn't. Uh, Gus, ta- Gus and I, <laughs> Gus and I talked just a lot because we just talked a lot. Doug Marone and I had our meeting. Doug Peterson. Every week, Lauren, to your, to your point about the word consistency, I met with Doug Peterson same time every week. We adjusted it for a Thursday night game or, or whatever, but for the most part, he was the same guy 
in our one-on-one meetings, the same exact guy after losing with it was five in a row at one point, mm-hmm. was it five in a row at one point, mm-hmm. yep. or winning six in a row or anything in between, I'm telling you the same guy, the same personality, the same we would joke about life, we would talk about life, we would talk about football, he would tell me kind of inside th- stuff. It never one time changed. Now, look, if you're a four or five year coach in and you're on the hot seat and things haven't been going well, then maybe it changes then. But I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, he is, he is, I think there's so much trust in him. There's so much trust. Rick Ballou had something that he said on the air last night. He said, I think it was last night, we tweeted it, that if you're one of the people that, that absolutely wouldn't take Ramsey back. Shame on you, or you're an idiot, or something. You should take Ramsey back. Now that was, and that's, and Rick, that's Rick's opinion, and I'm not I'm not criticizing his opinion, but for me, and it's not a shot at Jalen Ramsey. I would say this about a lot of guys. I think the culture, and this isn't me saying, well, shame on Jalen. He quit on the team. I'd never want him back. I might feel that way, but for the purpose of this conversation, it's the culture is so good. There was, I mean, how many times did you see? No, very few scuffles with other teams. Very little trash talking, you know. I mean, if you think about, it, did you? There wasn't much of that. I can't think of a single example. Almost none. No trash talking. Did they get called for taunting the whole season? I, I don't remember. They probably did because everybody does at I, some point, but not I, very I often. So. But but to your point, not very often. And I and I will tell you that. And so I I think the culture of this. So the building of the relationship, Hayes. To your point, the being the same all the time. Lauren, to your point, mm-hmm. I, I think that's who he is, and I think that had everything to do with them taking that gigantic leap forward. I, I think, honest to God, I think that had as much to do as it did of knowing what plays to call. I think, and that sounds dumb to think it was equally important, but I, it's God is my witness. I think equally important. I think that's how important this guy, who he is, his right. character, uh, the culture he built. I think it had that much of an effect on that football team. Marvin Jones was fined for taunting against the Colts way back in yeah. September. That's the only one that I could think of. Yeah, because everybody's somewhere. But it's not nasty trash talk. Some There's a fine line between how excited you get right. and, and whether. I think he just flexed, if I remember correctly. That's all Marvin did. But, but there's certainly. So I'd get fined for taunting today uh, since I was flexing. You somewhere. get fined for wearing the wrong socks these yeah. days. Yeah, right. But as far Good as. Point. They didn't get. They got called for, I'm sorry, taunting twice. Oh, okay. I don't know uh, the other one. Tw- I don't know what the but other your one point, was. But the either. point is still the the point yeah. is still yeah, twice in seventeen, well, yeah. nineteen games actually. So. But Frank, I think you can be a really good play caller, and when the team loses five in a row, if you're not the consistent leader, right, then you don't make the postseason. Yeah, you don't overcome the adversity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This this team stayed together the entire time, which is why I have been such a big proponent of keeping the core pretty much together. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't make some additions or don't. Change it, but I think that I think that really mattered. And I think it really does matter. So that that probably that is what stands out to me. Uh, I I will tell you, I think he's going to win a title here. I mean, he's been here one year and he got to the final eight. You mm-hmm. make you make the elite eight in year one uh, with a quarterback who's in his second year. Common sense says they're going to go deep for a while. I think I think he'll win a title here. Whether he wins might win multiple titles, but I do think he'll win a title here. I, I really am excited. He's already got a statue one place, by the way. He's got one statue. There's not a lot of coaches with statues. He's got one. Virtually no coaches have two statues. I really believe. Do any? I don't know. I can't think, I can't of think a single one. No, well, no coaches won a Super Bowl two different places. We said that, didn't we? Andy Reid would be the first ever. And I don't think year. a college like Spurrier doesn't have that in no, South Carolina. No. Yeah, good point. Good point. You know, I mean, Bear maybe. But you, the point is certainly not very many if anybody does. Yeah, Bear would have it at. 
Kentucky. Bears the leading. Or, he's the leading. He's the leading. He's he's a career wins leader, I think, at Kentucky and in Alabama or A and M and Alabama, A&M. something like but that. I don't he, think he has one at A and M or yeah, Kentucky. Because you think they show not. it. Yeah, you're right. Every you're, time there's point, a game from point. there. Yes. So so you're right. If he doesn't, nobody does. So literally, he might be the only coach that we're aware of. Do whatever. If it ever places, yep. happened, and but, uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say Shad will uh, gladly I, I, purchase I, the statue. But where I'm going with the point is correct. He might go down as one of the great coaches of all time. If he becomes either the only coach or if Andy Reid does it this year, one of one of the only coaches, no. Andy Reid wouldn't have done it too Correct. Places. So what am I thinking? Andy yeah. Reid did it in Kansas City. So That's right. right now there's there's I don't know where, where, where Just because he's going. facing this former yeah. team. But the, and uh, they won one with but, but the truth is though nobody and after this year nobody else has done it either. If he becomes the first coach to win a Super Bowl with two franchises, that's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, I thought it was surprising. Peter King did sort of a, a update on Hall of Fame resumes for coaches in the NFL this week, and he included uh, Mike McCarthy. He did not include Doug Peterson. Now, McCarthy has way more wins because he's been a head coach for much longer than Doug Peterson, but I was surprised that since his list went so deep yeah, uh, that it, it didn't deep. include Doug Peterson because – uh, to me, Doug Peterson, and again, I'm not saying this is an easy task or that it, it's likely it will happen, but he certainly could win a Super Bowl with Trevor Lawrence. And to me, if he wins a Super Bowl with Trevor Lawrence, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you I mean, yeah. To, to win the Super Bowl, even if Doug on the career wins list, you know, wasn't like as high up as some of these other contemporary guys are going to be, I still think you'd have to put him in. How do you tell the story of the NFL? Without talking about a coach who won the Super Bowl with the Eagles and Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Great point. Great point. You're saying that's not the Cowboys and Steelers. That's the Eagles and Jaguars. Very good point. And if the Eagles don't win it this year, if he's the only coach to ever win it with the Eagles, too, there's some significance. So we'll see. Uh, It was a year ago, and we're so lucky that the Jags hired Doug Peterson. And I think it's going to be one heck of a run while he's here. We'll take a break. When we come back, um, uh, Lauren's got some questions, compliments for D-Rock as we move forward with the Jaguars. Stay with us. Always a Big Chief Tire Friday here on the Frangie Show. We love our friends at Big Chief Tire. When I needed new tires a few months ago, of course, that's where I went, and I absolutely love them. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Andrew Gibson, I'm Lauren Brooks with you. It feels like another Old Rock Thursday because we've got more Springsteen today ahead of Frank going to see Springsteen Sunday I probably evening. ought to stop, but I can't. Yeah, it's hard to stop. Yeah, people like it. I can't. I can't stop. I've always believed that music is a good addiction, yeah, so yeah. I fully support it. I have. I've got Sirius in my car, mm-hmm. my truck, and I've been. They have the the, the E Street mm-hmm. E Street Radio. I've been wearing it out. There's they have talk shows about him. And it's just I can't stop. That's awesome. Did you hear his interview with Stern this year? You know, parts of it. I oh, was it good? I'd missed it. It was very good. Okay. He, the problem, not the problem. I keep was, hoping that they replay, a, you know, things throughout the year. It was very, so I keep was, hoping I'll catch it. It was very good. The, the not the, pro, the I shouldn't say problem. The problem is not problem, but like all these guys, he's very he's very media marketing savvy, and when he had the new the letter for you and the new stuff he's done c- came out, he wanted to tell people he's coming back on tour. So when Springsteen calls and says, "I want to be on your show." People drop everything. This is Elvis, you know. And so he's on Fallon. He's on Kimmel. He's on Stern. He's He I mean, he did Fallon four nights in a row. I was going to say, I don't think Stern's ever interviewed him. Okay. Oh, is that right? I didn't I know that. I don't but think it, so. But it, but it was a great one on Stern because he because Stern can get stuff out oh, of Oh, it's like it? an hour long. Yeah, yeah. But he, I, I would assume if but, it's the usual. In- but the point interview. is he did them all at that yeah. same stretch. Uh-huh. So so I didn't work. If, if Stern had been the only one, 
Right. I would have gone and heard the whole Stern interview. I got you. But but he like like on Fallon, so he came on Fallon, and I think it was on the Monday night he was on. And they performed, and he's doing some covers. He's doing some like like um, um, Motown covers. He's even going to do night shift. Uh, at the at the concert, that's so, cool. Yeah, it is cool. So he did some Motown covers. So anyway, he loves Motown. So anyway, so he does. So he's on Monday night. He sits there and talks with Fallon like he does. And then when he come back, Bruce is going to perform. So he performs. That was on the Monday night. Well, the Tuesday night performs again. Wednesday night performs again. Thursday night performs. What he didn't realize is what he did is he did it four. He did four or five songs that night, and then they just played him. But they played him every night. Now that's how big Springsteen is. Fallon played Springsteen on the Fallon show on the Tonight Show. Four nights in a row. So so I didn't I gave you a long answer to a short question. I heard part of the stern, mm-hmm. but I heard so many of his interviews, they all came and ran together. I'll that. eventually catch it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing it because Stern does such a magnificent job of taking anybody but musicians to, you know, places in terms of storytelling. It's I, I bet you it's riveting. It's funny, you don't hear that much about Bruce Springsteen unless he's touring. Like he kind of seems to keep a low profile other than when he wants to be in the spotlight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He and he's a, he's a, you know, he probably he's been criticized for talking too much about his politics, which he which he should, which he, he he deserves that criticism. I'm a big Bruce fan, but I don't go to hear him talk about politics. I go to hear him play his music. You know, where and does I, he live? Most of the years? I think he still lives in Jersey. Well, he's like all of them. He's got about four homes. Sure. But I think I know the daughter went to Boston College. Both the son and the daughter went to Boston College, and she's like this like Olympic equestrian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so. And so, but I think I think he's made, I think he still makes the main home in Jersey. All right. Well, uh, Michael DiRocco, not a local yokel, very national guy. He has five questions for the Jacksonville Jaguars this off season. I will fire them at you too, gents. Hayes, I'll start with you. What's next for Trevor Lawrence? The franchise record in touchdown passes. That's what I want to see out of Trevor. Uh, that's is it a fair expectation? It's probably a little high to be a fair expectation. Uh, but I think that should be the goal is uh, for Trevor Lawrence to throw at least 36 next year, which would Blake, uh, Blake break, break Blake Bortles' record. And uh, I think that's the extension that we need to see. Now, that's tied into everything else. Why, sure. why does he throw the 36 touchdowns? Well, he throws the 36 touchdowns because he's working with Doug Peterson for a second consecutive year. He's able to get to nuances of the offense that he wasn't able to get to obviously learning it in the install. He's able to know what the opponent is going to do and be able to anticipate that better. I think his supporting cast has a chance to be better with the addition of Calvin Ridley and just other guys' familiarity. Luke Fortner will be in year two. I think you're going to see a big jump from him. That's going to be crucial at the center position. ETN is going to be more comfortable. My guess is Trevor's going to get more touchdown passes through ETN just you know, taking something short, turning it into a big play, more than than what he got this year. So to me, year two for Trevor Lawrence, obviously, you know, be a winning quarterback, defend the division title. I think that goes without saying. But from a number standpoint, the tangible number, the magic number is 36. And I think to that end, if statistically he hits um, landmarks like, like Hayes is talking about, what I think the next step is, get into that conversation. Right now, we have him in the conversation. We have him in that conversation of best three or four quarterbacks in the league. I'm not sure the nation has him there yet. They have him as a guy knocking on the door, but I'm not sure everybody has him ahead of Justin Herbert. I'm not sure if everybody has him ahead of Jalen Hurts. 
um, get into that conversation that when you say Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, you say Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Trevor. I want to. I, I want to. I, I want him in that regular conversation, and uh, I think that's what's next for me. In 2017, under Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz he got hurt week 13, but these these were his stats before week 13: 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Right. So he still had three more games to play before the postseason, and he was at 33 and seven, and that's Carson Wentz. And without Doug, he was nothing. Right, and so I think those types of numbers, yeah. yeah, Trevor Trevor needs to get to that point. And I do think, like we talked about yesterday, the Pro Bowl and the attention that the skills competition gets and, and how yeah. accurate he was, I do think that helps. All right, Frank, number two as far as the questions go from Mike Duraco about the Jaguars offseason, how does Calvin Ridley fit in? Yeah, that's a great point, a great question. He's the take-the-top-off-the-defense guy if it works. <clears throat> it's got to work. He's a guy that was suspended for a year. He's got to make sure he's ready to play that whatever demons he had that got him suspended weren't demons. They just a, a bad happenstance, whatever. That's got to be behind him. Um, he's got to have no off-field stuff, uh, and he's got to be ready to go. Assuming all that happens, he's the deep threat. I could talk around it a bunch of different ways, but but the way I think he fits in is he's one more piece to that fantastic receiving puzzle, but he's the one that gets deep more than the others. I would agree. I mean, the the thing with Calvin Ridley – that I think Doug Peterson is really going to emphasize with him. And I think Trevor is as well. I think, and I think the receiver room will as well, but it, it makes more sense for them. Uh, but I think the message to Calvin, as soon as he joins the team uh, and he's reinstated, it's going to be, you don't have to be the savior here. You, you, we, we don't need you to have 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns your first year back. We just need you to get comfortable. We just need you to uh, rediscover your love for playing, uh, hopefully bond with your new teammates and your new coaches. And, and, and that's, that should be the message from the top down to Calvin Ridley uh, is just come in and be Calvin Ridley. And, and no one's expecting anything crazy. Don't even worry about the numbers. And uh, the production will come if Calvin Ridley just – takes it day by day and and works, it'll be there because he has the talent, but you can't get discouraged because there is significant rust there, and it may take him, you know, you may be halfway through the year before you really start to see the Calvin Ridley of old show up. So I would say uh, to kind of combat any adversity that Calvin might encounter from the outset, I would establish just – very low expectations, tons of patience, and just let Calvin be Calvin and, and don't feel like you got to come in here and take over the room because the room doesn't really need to be taken over. It, it could certainly use Calvin Ridley, but the room proved this year that it can be productive with Christian and Zay leading the way, and you hope Evan Ingram contributing uh, in a supplemental fashion from the tight end position. Because I think it's important for a really good offense to have kind of more than one deep threat. And Zay Jones was really the only thing even close to a deep threat this year. And so I think now that you have a little bit more balance for that, keep the defense on their toes. You're right about that. He was the only deep threat they had. That doesn't mean he's the only guy that can, can get deep. Uh, Christian Kirk could get deep a time or two on middle-of-the-field routes. He's not going up the sideline and running by you. But you're right. You need more than one guy. And so hopefully uh, I'm looking forward to it. 
The third question, how do the Jaguars fix their salary cap issues? Hayes, I know you've addressed that at length in an, in an article on 1010XL.com, but do you want to give a little brief uh, respite for us? Sure. I mean, they can restructure contracts, and they can do it. There's two ways to restructure. Uh, one doesn't involve player approval at all. The team can just decide to restructure it. The players love it because they get money up front, um, and it doesn't add any years to the deal or anything like that. So – uh, the Jaguars have that at their disposal. They've never restructured anything, so they've got a very clean uh, slate in which to work. So they will restructure the deals. I would imagine Christian Kirk, Aluakon uh, will be the top two, possibly Sheriff, possibly Cam Robinson. But basically you're going to take these really high cap numbers in 2023 and you're going to reduce them uh, because you've got an owner that is uh, willing to spend and, and has the money to spend. And so a lot of these players are going to get some some nice fat checks uh, and they're going to be happy and the team's going to be happy because it's going to create cap space. Very well done, Frank. Which free agents will the Jaguars try to re-sign? We've certainly talked about yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think we know we know we our answer is going to be the same. I think in in our order, uh, Ingram 1, Juwan Taylor, Arden Key uh, uh Ingram Juwan Taylor, Arden Key are the three in that order. And then if you get others, okay, but those are the ones that matter the most. What I'm most interested in is Jawan Taylor. I'm confident Evan Ingram will be here somehow, some way. I don't sense there's going to be a big market for Arden Key, even though he's a 27-year-old pass rusher. I don't think the belief's out there that he's ever going to be a dominant pass rusher. So I don't think he's going to get dominant pass rushing money. I just my guess. Uh, so I think they'll, and I think he, I think all three want to stay. Evan Ingram, I think they'll find a way to keep him here. Hayes, to, to Lauren's question or D-Rock's question, my qu- the biggest issue to me is Juwan Taylor because I think Juwan Taylor is ready to get paid. He had an enormously good season. At what point do you, do you say, we got to let him go, the number's too high, and you know, the, you know the cap stuff way better than I do, so I'll defer to you on that in terms of the dollars. But I will tell you, A, they want him here, and I think he's a really good player. And I think we, we've seen in this postseason the really good offensive and defensive lines are the ones that win. And he's as good a right tackle as Lane Johnson. And he's, I mean, he is, he's really good, man. He's a really, really good player that's still really young. Um, I just wonder how much, what's it going to take to keep him? Yeah. And the thing that makes it so interesting with Juwan is that you do have an in house option, which you don't normally have for uh, these kind of scenarios. Uh, you've got a player in Walker Little that might be able to man that spot without a ton of drop off. You've got, Obviously, Cam Robinson entrenched is your left tackle. So uh, it creates a little bit of, uh, of a situation where you do wonder if there, is, if there is a number that the Jaguars just simply are not going to go to because they believe, well, we have an in-house option. Why would we go this high if we don't feel like Jawan Taylor is worth this? Now, obviously, they, they think he's worth an awful lot. I mean, mm-hmm. again, Doug Peterson described his season as outstanding uh in his season ending wrap up press conference but i uh, and i think Jawan Taylor is probably back but he's the hardest of the three because Jawan Taylor simply has not made big time money yet as an NFL player i mean his rookie contract was 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 worth 7.8 million uh paid out over 4 years i mean he's going to make probably close to double that uh per year on this next new deal and so he, Jawan Taylor needs to go where he's going to get paid the most. If his representation feels like 
that the Jaguars are hitting that number, he'll be a Jaguar. If they don't, then they're going to force the Jaguars to either tag him or let him test the market. Once he tests the market, he's probably going to be gone because it stands to reason one of the other 31 uh, is going to throw pretty crazy money at him. Do you think that another team would try him out at left tackle or would they keep him at right? It's a great question. You don't see that a ton. And and he wasn't even a left tackle in college. Right. So I would think you're signing him to be a right tackle. And the right tackle and left tackle is the is sort of evened out. It, or certainly it's more even than it's ever been. No question. In the NFL. So I would I would think that teams signing Jawan Taylor or signing him to play right tackle. Yeah, I agree with that for the most part. But I think he's so good that a team that desperately needs a left tackle and thinks they'd have the money to pay him and he's their guy would give him a look. So I, I agree with Hayes. I think he's a right tackle that's going to be a right tackle. He played a little left tackle at Florida. didn't go well. So a, a few games. But I would tell you, he was. So, I'm telling you, he was really good this year. And he was so good that, that it's not off the table. All right. We, I have one more question for you, gentlemen. We will do that on the other side. You are listening to the Frangie Show on a Big Chief Tire Friday on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I hold you in my arms. Sing it. Right, that's just, I can't do that. I, I cannot suddenly be the uh, I cannot suddenly be the lip sticker on the show. I'd pale in comparison. <laughs> this song is beautifully written. It is. A little more Bruce Springsteen for you on this Big Chief Tire Friday. Frank counts the hours down. What about 52 hours somewhere in there until the concert begins? Oh, I'm counting them down, and what I'm doing is. Here's what you need to know. Will he play this? He does play this. Oh, nice. This is I picked it. a good one then. Yes, you did. You've done a great job, Gibby. This is this is on the 28th song set list. Nice. Now, again, he could change it up This a is one bit. of my favorites, but I know song. it's not like If Tunnel. this was Loser Monday, I would have just won, so sorry, Lauren. <laughs> um, Tunnel, Tunnel of Love, which is what this is on, was an underrated album. If you rated the Bruce albums, Born to Run, everybody would say his first. And then there's a for me the rising second, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of wild. The innocent knee street shuffle would be third, but but tunnel loves up there. It, it, it's probably I mean, he's got thirty of them, but I mean I'm, it doesn't get the credit in my mind that it does. I'm bored people with my springs to me when so I apologize, but it doesn't get the appreciation it should. So tonight he's in Atlanta. Tonight he's in Atlanta. So at what time will you look up the Atlanta set list? My buddy Rick Lamb. <laughs> oh, he's going to be and there. His daughter London, who okay. lives in Atlanta, very cool, are going. Um, he has promised to text. Um, I, to keep track and text about halfway through, so I'll have, wow. a, I'll have a pretty good idea halfway through. I, I look, I know eight people going tonight. Okay, I know fifteen that went Wednesday, and um, and I've got more FOMO tonight. Yeah, I should have gone to all three. I'm mad at myself that I didn't go to all three. Still mad at myself. Well, you will make up for it Sunday night. All right, final question from D Rocks, questioning of the off season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are the biggest areas of need heading into 2023? Biggest areas of need. Corner, pass, no, pass rush corner. After that, I could lump them all together. But pass rush corner would be probably my two. You? I agree. And, and it's more nickel corner. You know, I, I would say the pass rush is, I think, just gigantic. I, I just think it's one of those things. You've got your quarterback. So take advantage of that. If you ha- it, there's no such thing as, well, we've allocated too much to the pass rush. That's impossible now. Because you've solved quarterback. So if you solve pass rush, you will be nearly unstoppable. That is exactly what this league is now. Great quarterback play, 
and you harass that guy's quarterback. And if you do those two things, you're going to win a whole lot of games and you're going to win championships. And they, we don't know that they can do that. We hope, you know, that Trayvon Walker in year two is is unbelievable. Uh, that Josh Allen and playing on the fifth year option plays well and has a career year. But you don't know that. And even if they re-sign Arden Key and DeJuan Smoot, I would take pass rusher at 24, and it would be hard to move me off that position uh, unless just somebody fell at 24 that I just was stunned got outside the top 15. So both of you are addressing pass rush with just an edge rusher, or are you also addressing it with the interior of the defensive line? Great point. Great question. Really good question. I'm glad you said that. Um, Edge for me, but maybe that's not the way you should go. I, I think a real big part of this is what they do with Trayvon Walker. I, I think, I, I, don't you think? Yes. I think a real big part of what is Trayvon Walker. I think he's a hand on the ground defensive end. That's my opinion. I think he's in a four three. He's a he's a he's a left end in a four three. That's what I think. Um, Are you changing your defensive scheme well, based off around one person? W- well, yeah. I, again, don't don't overrate the whole scheme yeah. thing. Three fours and four threes aren't that different. You know, it's not like you're it's not like you're going from playing uh defense in lacrosse to defense in hockey. It's not it's it's the same sport, right? It's eleven guys. Um, four or five of them are gonna be in the secondary, three or four of them are gonna have their hand on the ground, and then there's some linebackers. That it that, don't don't overthink it, you know. But I, a lot of people think they will just change to a four three. Uh do you do it to accommodate one guy? Maybe not, but if a four three puts Trayvon Walker in his natural position. If it gets Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd on the field together with Foye Aluakon, and I will tell you, they like all three of those guys. I can tell you for a fact, they really think they hit both linebacker draft picks. And you know what? I kind of think they did too. So um, would not shock me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And then you obviously have the question of what do you do with Roy Robertson-Harris if do you keep them both? Or do, oh, well, you're keeping, obviously, Trayvon. But do you? Well, you, uh, got, you, got, you got to keep Fadakasi because he'll cost too much to cut. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not suggesting yeah. that. But Roberts and Harris, they can save like $8 million to cut. Right. And so if you're going to move Trayvon Walker up, then it's, be, then it's what do you do yeah. and with so, Roberts and Harris. And here's the question. What Really, here's where Roy Roberts and Harris put him in a pickle by playing great. Mm-hmm. He was really good this year. I'll bet you they would tell you. Maybe you can trade him. Yeah, maybe. I'll bet you they would tell you that back in August, September, the plan the next year was to not have was was to not have it was to cut him. Right. I'll, I'll bet you. Rayshon too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. C- correct. But they both played so well that they probably played their way off the cut line. But if you don't cut him, I, I I would keep him. I I would I I would I'd find a way around the dollars. And they can. Yeah. I mean, again, they can do it. But so. it's a, but it's a great point. I agree on nickel corner. Do you need some outside corner depth? See, here, here let me tell you where I am on corner. And, and see, logic says. They're paying Darius Williams, so you have to keep him. And he's a better outside corner than Nickel. Okay, we all we all we all know both of those are true. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but think you could out you could upgrade at outside corner. I, I just I, I just Darius Williams is okay. So you're you know? drafting at that point, then? Yeah, yeah. I guess. What are you doing? I'd probably take a Nickel corner in like the third round and let you know Darius Williams. You know, probably probably be his last year with the Jaguars, uh, you know, and then you come back in 2024 and, and attack it. I mean, if they decided to take a corner that they feel like for a year can play nickel 
and then move outside. Uh, you know, maybe you take one higher than the third round. But again, I, I just don't know how they're going to look at their team and look at the flaws that they had this year and decide that anything other than the 24th pick is an edge rusher. I, I, I just don't know. And again, I mean, the board has to line up and things like that. But assuming, I, assuming it's not yeah, out of the room, but, I, I agree. But with this that. is the thing: if edge is deep, which the analysts are saying that it is, right. then stands to reason somebody at twenty-four is going to make some sense at twenty-four. Yeah. It, if it's deep, then that kind of tells you that every six or seven picks, there's probably an edge rusher that makes sense in that area. So, I mean. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a pass rushing defensive tackle as well. If they wanted to go edge at twenty four and get a defensive tackle in the second round that they feel like has some, you know, burst, maybe a Gervon Dexter kind of player that is probably gonna be a better pro than he was in college, then, you know, that kind of a guy that's more speed and agility than bull rushing power, then sure. I mean, again, you've got Trevor Lawrence. So now Go build the most dominant defensive front that you can build. And if you can do those two things, and one you already have done, you are going to be nearly unstoppable in this league. And see, I think as far as corner goes, nickel for sure, like we said, but if Tyson Campbell or Darius Williams goes down like Shaq Griffin did this past season, I'm not sure who your other outside corner is. Like The Jaguars well, kind of got lucky that Darius ended up being better outside. And they'll, and they'll keep trying. Look, they drafted two last year and gave both a try. I, I don't, I don't think either guy wowed them. They got drafted late, but they did draft two guys. And uh, I think you probably keep, you could probably keep looking. Both Cousins and Buster Brown got a peak. They got, a, they, it was a peak. We'll see if they get better. That'll probably be a play as well. Let's take a break. Let's get into golf in a second. Uh, our friend Scott Schroeder is the terrific golf coach at the University of North Florida, and one of the gigantic amateur golf events of the year is the hate. It's at Sawgrass. We'll be out there on Monday. Look forward to it. Let's get Scott on to kind of preview what to look for. That's next. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangelo with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson. You know, we all have our identities, mm-hmm. different identities, how we're known. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, with that said, let me welcome in Caitlin Schroeder's dad. Okay. <laughs> You know, you know that's how you're going to be known from now on, don't you? You know that that's going to be your identity, right? Yeah, and Frank, pretty much everywhere I go now, that's the first question. It's not, it's not how my team's doing or how I'm doing. It's how Caitlin doing. That's right. That's <laughs> I've, right. Got, I've gotten used to it. So this is Caitlin Schroeder's dad. So now, now his side job, by the way, mm-hmm. happens to be the, to be the terrific golf coach at the University of North Florida. So there's that. So how are you, man? Good to have you on. How you doing? Doing, doing good, buddy. It's it's great listening to the show, and we're we're talking optimistically about a, a football team that's going to be. Uh, be good hopefully for years to come it makes makes sports talk in jacksonville great uh glad to be able to come on and talk a little golf with you too. Yeah, it does feel that way scott the, the hate comes up uh john hates one of my favorite people so i love this for him and, and i know he's excited we can't wait to be out there with you on uh on monday doing our show from out there if it wasn't for springsteen i'd be out there playing tomorrow so uh thank you for the invite but uh, but i love the event had a blast when i did get to play it last week uh, give me the history scott how did it come about this is one of the really good amateur golf tournaments collegiate golf tournaments in the country how did it start? How did it come about? And how has it gotten to be such a big deal? So it, so it started at Queens Harbor back in the mid-90s and then transitioned to Sawgrass Country Club in 2000. And it used to be called the Mercedes-Benz Collegiate. And then in about, I'm going to get the year wrong, but like 2005 or six, Mercedes no longer really wanted to support the event. And we talked about it and 
obviously we're fortunate enough in this town that we have the players, right? And we decided that, you know, John's done so much for us. Like, why don't we just name the event after him rather than be going from sponsor to sponsor? So now it's got a permanent name with John on it, and then we just try to find people that will support it um, as patron sponsors and, and stuff along those lines to, you know, support what he's done for not even just golf for at UNF, but he's done so much with First Tee and so many different things that it's just uh, it's a great way to recognize him. Absolutely. Scott, looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Your team just finished second in the C-Best Invitational. How's Nick Gabrelchek doing and the rest of the team? Nick's doing good. Obviously, when you're ranked 12th, 11th and 12th in the world, you're you're pretty good at the game of golf. Um, probably probably it was his first time playing an event in Jacksonville that didn't win last week, so I, probably he's going to have him a little more fired up than this week than normal, but we got to get him just to relax and play golf. Um, the rest of the team, I'd say, you know, Robbie Higgins had a nice solid week and had a nice fall for us. And then we just need a couple of our Jacksonville guys on our team. We've got Davis Lee, who's a Potter kid, and Cody Carroll is a Middleburg kid. We need them to, to play a little better. And then, uh, you know, we got two really good players and we got four or five, maybe six that are hopefully one of them will step up and, uh, and make us a little bit better as the semester rolls on. Scott, tell us about the field. Uh, what kind of uh, competitive yeah, field have you created? You know, this is the first time the event's been back in February now in about six years, so it's going to be a little different weather. Um, and then I think it's it's a pretty special opportunity for people to come out and watch. We got, you know, we're going to be paired with Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Alabama on Sunday, um, playing 36 holes. And uh, Vanderbilt has a young man named Gordon Sargent, which for for many, I would tell you, basically most people will tell you he's the next version of uh, Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas. And having been around those guys when they were pretty good, and, and this young man's pretty special. He's ranked second or third in the world right now. So that, that pairing of Nick Urbalchik and him on uh, and Gordon Sargent on Sunday, you're going to have a chance to see a, bu- a bunch of good golf. And uh, it looks like the weather's going to be pretty nice on Sunday, so it, sh- it should make for a fun day. I got to tell you, I, and Scott knows this, and I said it on the air, uh, when I played out there with the in the uh, the, the tournament on the, on Saturday, uh, Scott let me play with Nick Gabrelchek. I'd never seen him before, and I played with him. You can't imagine how good he is. Look, even even we hacks have played with enough good players that we recognize him. Uh, Scott, people can't believe how good a player he. I couldn't believe what a good player he was when I got to play with him last year. Yeah, and honestly, Frank, the way to put it is like you know these two guys are are on their tour players. It's just a matter of when they're going to get there. It's like. It's like the difference from Trevor to the other quarterbacks that yeah. we see, or the, it's it's that that bit of a gap that these guys are just totally different than just your normal golfer. They can do things, and not just physically, they just do things mentally also with the dealing of adversity and stuff like that. And you know, Nick, you know, has won seven times in two and a half years, and I think in my career, I think Sean Dale back in the early 2010 area won about four three or four times and I'm like well that's pretty impressive and he's basically I think he's won as many times as almost every other UNF golfers combined in the last decade so that's that's a pretty good stat to be able to hang on your resume let me go back to Hayes's question too uh talk about the field do you build that how does that how does that do you build the field do you send out invitations do you have buddies that are coaches how, how do you build this field yeah it's, it's a it's a all our coaching relationship business so we start we really start with the idea that we're trying to find schools that host other good events that we can also go play in because we need to build our schedule when we leave Jacksonville. So historically that's what we're able to do. So about half the teams are schools that are, I, I deem as pretty good and have events that I want to go play in. And then the other half of the field that you're just trying to get the best teams that you can get. And that's where we're actually playing a Vanderbilt's event, but that's where Vanderbilt, Alabama, Arkansas, um, schools like that 
come into play for us that we're able to get them to come because, you know, we're offering an opportunity of a great challenge of a golf course. And, you know, I think that's a, it's a, it's a relationship business. It's really important for the, I tell people all the time, like it's the bloodlines to our program. Cause if I have a good event and we play a good schedule, it really helps me in recruiting. So it's just the domino effect that everything we try to do really. Scott, speaking of recruiting, does NIL or the transfer portal affect you as much as we talk about it in other sports? Hasn't got there yet, I don't think, Lauren. I think NIL exists for the elite student-athletes. So you, you have guys like Nick and Gordon who are, are making some money on the side. Um, I've heard I've heard some whispers of it, of it popping up and recruiting a little bit, but I know many of the golf coaches want to try to stay away from it because it's just, it's you know, we have to fundraise to help support our program. So the last thing we need is us having to pay a kid, and then that takes away from stuff that we need to do just to have an operational budget. Um the portal, it exists. I think once we get past the COVID years that, that so many sports have had to deal with, I think that will not be as much of an issue. Um, but we've dealt with a lot of kids that would you know finish up four years at a small mid-major or at a, at a smaller par of five, and then they would transfer to a really good school for their last year. But I think we're, we're really within the last year or so of that hap- of being an issue. Scott, will the course play different with it being a little earlier in the year than last year? Yeah, that was. We actually sat in the office yesterday, and I talked about that with some of my players. They're like, "Oh, well, you know, the scores will be this." I'm like, "Guys, I I pulled up some of the results from when it used to be in February, and even par when it's in February is usually in the top ten. And they're, you know, they were like shocked. Like I think there was a year that uh, Bo Hostler won, and we had a guy that was shot one over, and he finished second. And you know, I think the weather on Monday and Tuesday or Sunday and Monday will be decent, but it's going to be breezier. Course usually plays a little firmer. Um, it's still a little more bare, and obviously the temperature is colder. I think in March, usually in the low 80s, and this weekend we're going to see mid to upper 60s, which the ball just doesn't go as far, um, and the wind plays a little heavier. So, you know, even par will be valuable. I mean, with these guys that are they're as good as they are now, I still think the winning score will probably be somewhere between six to nine under par. Um, but it, it it should present a little bit more of a challenge than it does in March. Scott Schroeder, the UNF uh, golf coach, the event is the hate. It's at the Sawgrass Country Club. We'll be out there doing our show live on Monday. We're looking forward to that as the winners are announced uh, come in, which is a cool thing. We loved doing it last week. I can't let you go without you giving people an update on Caitlin. I kidded Scott at the top of the interview, but she's probably one of the best young female players who will ever come out of our city. And uh, update me. How are we doing? Where is she? Uh, give me an update. She's uh, hanging out in Tuscaloosa. Um, what, a month into school? We'll be is redshirting this semester. Just got... Well, she got about a month ago, but the formal invite, she will play in the Augusta National Women's AM the last couple days into March, um, which will be really fun. Works on a, It's on a week that we're not playing, so I will uh, be caddying that week. Haven't got fired from that job yet, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but she's doing great. You know, we, me and my wife made a decision to send her a semester early. We, uh, Similar to the football players, I think that semester of being in school and acclimating yourself without the pressure of having to play is a, is a really good thing in development of the kid. And uh, it's, it's been so far so good. She's doing great academically. Probably she would tell you the golf needs to be a little better, but that's the least of my concerns. I know that will work its way out when she gets comfortable uh, from that perspective. So yeah, she's doing great. And then she's going to have the opportunity to play in the Evian, which is an LPGA major in France over the summer. So we, we circle back, give you a little update on that later, but it's a, be a pretty cool time for her. And she's trying to chase a couple other sponsor exemptions. So she's, 
going to get to find out what she's made of a little bit here over the next six months and yeah. on the grand stage. Yeah, I think we have an idea what she might be made of. I, the, the time we all played together and you let me play with Caitlin, it was, it was a joy. What a great player and what a wonderful girl. So I, I'm, I'm rooting for her. I can't wait to hear more updates. Uh, she's a wonderful young person, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And a really good golfer. So, Scott, good luck to her. Good luck on the hate this weekend, brother. And we'll, we'll have you back on on Monday, kind of to recap how it all went. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for sliding me in, Frank. And I look forward to seeing you all on Monday. Have a great oh, okay, weekend. Okay, thank you. Scott Schroeder, the uh, terrific golf coach at the University of North Florida. Good guy. And, uh, and Caitlin is such a good player. Oh, she absolutely is. That was going to be my question to him is, do you get to caddy for her yeah. based off of the schedules? I wasn't sure if it was going to work out. And so I'm so glad that he does. Obviously, that'll be good for her. But that goes to show you what good, how good of a guy Scott is. As he said, you know, the golf, that's not my, my main focus right now. I want her to get adjusted and acclimated to school, and, and I just want her, you know, to figure all that out, be good in school, and, and then the golf second. It's fun to play with both of them because they're giving each other hell the whole time. And he's a really good player, too. He's a lefty, he's a lefty just drops it down and swings it nice and easy. He's a really good golfer, and she's a really good golfer. And watching, I guess she was probably 15 when I, we played. Just just watching them go back and forth is a blast. So uh, congratulations to her. And the hate's a really good event. The hate's a really good event. Again, we have – uh, JU and UNF are our partners on this program and this radio station in many ways. And one of the cool things we do, it will be a little chillier out there. Mm-hmm. It'll be a little chillier. We were out there. We were out there at the end of March last year. Yeah, and it was uh, it was about 80 degrees, and we mm-hmm. had played on Monday or on Saturday, and so uh, they'll be playing. It'll be in the 60s, a little bit cool this week. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, let's get into a little bit of college hoop. Gators are heading to Lexington to Rupp. Have you been to Rupp? Have you been to Rupp? I haven't. Been to Rupp. Yeah, I've never Rupp, been Rupp, there. Rupp's an intimidating place. So we'll talk about that after this. Stay with us. It's incredibly proud of our guys uh, for putting an effort like that together for 40 minutes. You know, um, obviously the number two team in the country, uh, a program and coach that I have a lot of respect for. Competed against them as a player, as a matter of fact, back in the day. And uh, they're, they're at the top of the game right now, being number two. And just a lot of great all-around efforts to be able to beat a team like that by 13 points. Now back to a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. Visit BigChiefService.com. The comments of Todd Golden, Florida men's basketball head coach, following the victory over second-ranked Tennessee. Like we talked about yesterday, his signature, first signature victory as the Florida head coach. We'll get it to Florida, Kentucky here in a little bit. But first, we have a pair of tickets to give away to the biggest event in town this weekend. That would be the second edition of the River City Rumble men's basketball Tips off tomorrow at 5 p.m. at UNF Arena. Be caller number three right now at 641-1010. Caller number three, 641-1010, and you will win those tickets, and it will be a lively atmosphere just like it was last night. Certainly UNF hopes to sweep JU, and JU hopes to do what they've been doing all ASUN conference season, and that is make it one and one. All right, Florida at Kentucky. Frank, how you feeling? What do you think? And uh, I graduated in December of 1980. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on that year, the uh, Gators uh, traveled to, uh, later on, right after I graduated, to Lexington. I graduated in December. A month later, they played in Lexington. You want to score? You have regaled us with this before. It's something ridiculous, like Kentucky 80, Florida 42. 102 to 48. Wow. That's similar to that Alabama Vanderbilt game yeah, one, the other night. One hundred two to forty eight. Was the scoreboard a little not indicative of the you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It wasn't that close. Okay. The uh, in nineteen seventy seven. I don't remember this one. I just remember the other one. It was one hundred four to seventy eight. I'm looking up scores here. Um, Florida's only won there eleven right. times in nineteen. I'm surprised it's that many. Honestly, in nineteen seventy. It was one ten to sixty six. Um, there's been a 99 to 76. There's a 95 to 68. 
There's a 95 to 68 that was followed by a 95 to 65 the next year. Um, there's an 87 to 65. Um, yeah, it gives you an idea. Yeah. They, and, and in recent years, they've been Florida's been exceptionally good there. They have lost uh, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, seven of the last eight at Rupp. Okay, is that right? They've lost seven of the last, last eight, eight overall seven, in the series. My bad, seven of the last yeah. eight overall. That's right. So, so did Mike White's team win at Rupp? Any of Mike White's teams? They they won an eighteen, probably. Okay, yeah. yeah, they won. Yeah. Eight, they won in Rupp. I think that's his only one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Todd Golden's never lost there. Yeah, <laughs> he's undefeated <laughs> there. Uh, but they're not as good as they've been. Um, I do think if Florida wins this game, fourteen and nine and seven and three, they go from out to second four out to first four out to at worst on the bubble. Do you agree with that? I, I think fourteen I think and if, nine and seven and three, Joe Lenardi would have them on the bubble. I think they'd be in if they win. Last four in? Yeah, if they beat Kentucky's because Kentucky is I think last four in now. Okay. Uh what's gonna hurt Florida is Texas A and M is sort of right there with Florida. Right. And they've got two wins over Florida. Yeah. So if you're Florida, you need one of two things to happen. You either need Texas A and M to get super hot and clearly get in and be off the bubble, or you need Texas A and M. To f- and that would be preferable. Texas A&M just gets hot, and then it becomes the losses. The two losses don't look so bad. Um, and Texas but A&M didn't he, make the tournament last year, so they I, did wonder, not. I wonder if yeah. that factors. So the, the other part of it is you need Texas A&M to fall apart so that they're no longer on the bubble and you're not dealing with – because the committee is absolutely going to lock in on those two. And uh, in Florida, obviously, having lost twice to them is going to lose that battle every time. Um, but if Florida can beat Kentucky, and Kentucky is just one in six in quad one games. So this is not – I think Kentucky's going to win. I think it'll be close. Uh, but it's not like Kentucky is a dominant team. They, they've been playing better of late. Uh, but, again, a one in six team in, in quad one games is not obviously invincible. Uh, and so, um, you know, it, it's, to me it's, it's, it's a winnable game for Florida uh, if they get it. I think absolutely they're uh you know they they'd be on the right side of the bubble. Um Kentucky has a net of 31. Uh Florida right now I think is 41. So it's 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 more of a if if it wasn't Kentucky versus Florida, if you took the names out and you just looked at the on paper resumes, you'd be like, "Ah, oh, this is a you know, should be a pretty close game. You'd favor Kentucky, but but when you know it's Kentucky and yeah. you know it's that environment, I think it adds to uh, thinking that it's going to be a real tough putt for Florida. Yeah, that look. Kentucky's won five out of six, not against Florida over this season. I mean, they've won five out of six. The only loss is a nine-point loss to Kansas, who's one of the best teams in the country. In that five out of six includes a win at Tennessee, who's pretty good, a uh, pretty easy win over that Texas A&M game team you just talked about, and a come from behind win against Ole Miss last week. So, Kentucky's pretty good. I, I don't think Florida's going to beat Kentucky. I, I think. And the other thing is what Florida doesn't have in addition to shooting is depth in the interior, Lauren. And Kentucky's got Oscar Sheboy, who's just so hard to cover that he's going to draw fouls. He's going to you need a you need fouls in there. You're going to need you're probably going to need all 10 of those Castleton Jatobo fouls, wouldn't you think? I would. Uh, just just to play him. So I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think what Florida did by the way they've played this year and certainly that win over Tennessee that 
you guys both thought could happen. I didn't think there's any way in hell it could happen. Thought they were going to lose by 23 points. Turns out they won the game by double digits. I think they infused enough confidence into themselves that they will be in most of these games now. The, the hardest two games on the schedule are the, are the next two, at Kentucky and at Alabama. Now, look, they got to play Kentucky again. They've got some hard stuff. but the, they got to play at Arkansas, too. But the hardest – of the remaining, what is it, eight games left, whatever it is, of the of the, of the remaining, or yeah, nine I think games they've left. got nine left. Of yeah. the remaining nine, the hardest ones are the next two. The, the, this is the two. So even if you lose those two, you can get on some sort of a run. But I think they go into this stretch, including this game, with far more confidence than they have any game they've gone into this year. I think because of how good they are defensively, that's why they're in every game, and that's why they're going to be in every game. For the most part. It, yeah, against yeah, Kansas I agree with State, that. not so much. But for the most part, they're in every game. The question becomes, outside of Colin Castleton, who does Florida have that can take over a game, put the team on his back, that kind of thing? Kentucky's really good with Shreveway, yes. But they also have a guard in Antonio Reeves who can score way better than any of Florida's guards. And that's where I wonder, can Florida's backcourt kind of keep up, so to speak, with Kentucky's? Yeah, it, it's going to be hard. There's, there's no question that it's going to be, this is a tough putt. Uh, but you know what? Go up there and hang around. Your point's a good one. The answer to your question is nobody. <clears throat> There's nobody on Florida's team that can take over a game. There are people on Florida's team who can have great moments. Um, certainly, um, Chris Richard can have moments. Will Richard, yeah. Um, Will Richard, Chris Richard. Will Richard can have moments. Um, and we've seen him have moments. I think um, uh, Lofton at times had moments. Mm -hmm. Wacey Reeves can be the worst player on the court or the best player on the court. But nobody that can, in, in a game like this, 22,000 people screaming their lungs out late on a Saturday night, which means it takes a while before you get to – this is a hard, hard challenge. For I will say, though, South Carolina, who we saw Florida beat very easily, won at Kentucky earlier in January. And South Carolina is not that good. But that game is – no, they're terrible. But that game was the outlier of all outliers. Since, they lost, since losing that game, Kentucky's five out of six. And the only losses to Kansas. That was their wake up call. That that was that was the game that Calipari got him because listen, if we're gonna be this, we're not even gonna be in the tournament. So so we'll see. We'll and, see. And his teams tend to get better as the season goes along. Um one thing that might bode well for Florida tomorrow, um, is Kentucky does not shoot free throws well at all. They're at about sixty nine percent uh as a team. Florida is at seventy four percent. So Kentucky probably will get to the line um because they're gonna get every call. But uh, they may not convert at the line. So that could be something that keeps Florida in the game tomorrow if Kentucky has an off night from the uh, foul line. The, uh, meanwhile, Florida State it really got away from them. They started 1-9, and nine, rallied a little bit, but now they've lost three in a row, Miami, Clemson, both home games. And did you see the score Wednesday night? NC State worked them in Raleigh 94-66. to 66. Wow. You almost wonder if FSU, God bless them, after all those good years, this one's gotten to them. Florida State is 7-16. and 7-16. and 16. Even in the really bad years at Florida, they haven't had a 7-16 and 16 through 23 games. I wouldn't say Norm Sloan. 20 years? Oh, longer than that. I mean, 20 years is only 3 I can't. I can't believe. It I seems mean, like they had some bad teams around them. Yeah, but, yeah, but not, not seven and sixteen bad. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, remember they've only had one year under five hundred in the league since ninety nine. Who was the coach before Hamilton? 
before it was Steve Robinson. Was he right. most recently? I, I think, think it was, you're right. Was Robinson? I then? thought they had some bad teams. Oh, I'm, no, I'm talking about Florida, not Florida State. Florida oh, State. Oh, I'm yeah, saying oh, Florida yeah. hasn't had a year this bad in forever. Oh, yeah. Florida yeah. State. But in Florida, I mean. Well, the, the Don DeVoe year, maybe? Yeah, that, that's probably, that'd be 90. Yeah. That was probably the one. That, probably the probably Don DeVoe's when he, when he was the interim in place of Norm Sloan. But FSU, they're 7 and 16. Their net is 208. Yeah, and, and again, in fairness to Leonard Hamilton, they've been so good for the last seven, eight years, you're entitled to have a bad year. This isn't shame on them. You're, you're going to have some bad years as you reload. Billy Donovan was under 500 his last year after going to the Final Four, but I'm surprised FSU's that far off. You know, I'm, I'm surprised it's gone that badly uh, for the Knowles. Yeah, you don't often see schools like Queens of North Carolina, Brown, Pacific, Ryder, Southern U, uh, ahead of Florida State in the net ranking. Yeah, so it's it's up. And, and Things I, in the A Sun. Yep. Now, by the way, Florida was seven and twenty-one in the nineteen eighty-nine, nineteen ninety. That was the Devo. That was the Don Devo year. Well, it had to be. That had to be the Devo year. Worst coach Florida's ever had on that campus. An angry, just an angry. I was I was on the beat then. It was just an angry man. Just a, I I I mean I was I was I was the beat writer for the Times Union. You tried to interview him. He yeah. just he had been the Tennessee coach where he had some success. Right. And Arnes Barger hired him to tighten the ship, and it was just, it was just an awful yeah. existence. He was like before. Niedermeyer from Animal House. Yeah, it, it, it was, and, and he he replaced either Sloan or Visher, one of them. So Visher was the coach in seventy nine eighty. Okay, and Florida was seven and twenty one that year. Yeah, then Sloan took over, and then Don DeVoe took the team seven and twenty one. Yeah, a few years later. and Sloan got fired for all the stuff. NCAA. Stuff. Yeah, and then Slo- and then DeVoe. Did DeVoe have two years or just a, I one think year? just one. one. Visher and DeVoe each had two years. And then Kruger, Kruger, Kruger after that. And then Kruger, right. I did not realize, I'm sure y'all did, but I did not know this. Norm Sloan was the coach twice? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sloan, yeah I didn't know Sloan, that. Sloan left Florida in the 60s, went to NC State. Okay. Won a title. Won a national title. Had a 27-0 and year when he was on probation, and I think it was that. And then the next year won the national title. So he won a title with Monty, with Tom Burleson, Monty Tao, David Thompson. He won a title there at NC State. And then Florida hired him back. Uh, early 80s, mid 80s, early 80s, early, early. Florida 80s. hired him in 1980-81 season. Okay, 80-81. Okay, so mm-hmm. he came back in 80-81. And I'll tell you this: the the 87 team that won the SEC, I think it was 87, 86, 87, somewhere. Links and Chapman. 80, and yeah, yeah. Chapman, uh, Dale, uh, Dale Davis, not Dale Davis, da- something, uh, something uh, Davis. Yeah, Dwayne Davis. Dwayne Davis. Dwayne Davis. Livingston Chapman, Shinsis, Clifford Lett. Mm-hmm. That was a good team. Great team. That was a good fun team. team. The you know the Moten and Maxwell team was fun. 85-86 oh, yeah. mm-hmm. when they lost to Syracuse. When they lose to Syracuse in the Sweet Sixteen. Eighty four. No, that was later than that. 85-86, I want to say. Okay. Was, Florida made the NCAA tournament in 86, 87, 87, 88, 88, 89. Those three seasons back to back. Okay, so yeah, so but they but after after that so or before that so but anyway, Florida. I'm not. I'm surprised Florida State is seven and sixteen. And look. Now, Louisville's not very good, but they play there. They've got Syracuse, Pitt, back to Clemson. They play again at Miami. They've got North Carolina. They play at a, I mean, it could be. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to win the it's a, it's your throw, ACC tournament. Yeah, to it's in. your throwaway season. Yeah. Right? I didn't watch any of the NC State loss, but I did watch a lot of that Clemson-Florida State game this past Saturday night, yeah. and it felt like that was the game that it – because Florida State led for a lot of it in the second half. It felt like if that was the game that Florida State could win, then maybe things are going to go a little differently. And Clemson just edged them out in the last few minutes, last few seconds, I should say. 
And it you could feel almost like, and I'm obviously not a Florida State basketball fan, but you could feel watching that game, the crowd kind of be like, all right, that's it. That was the last chance, and now it's done. Yeah, so, uh, and again, you're entitled to, the, you're going to have that year. You're going to wind up having that year, so so we'll see what winds up happening. All right, we're going to take a break. want to get it back to a little bit of football. we got the Pro Bowl over the weekend, if anybody cares. Texas and Oklahoma now looks like they may not come. i got a thought about that. We didn't do this yesterday. We talked, we teased it, shame on me, but I didn't get to it. What becomes of Kyle Trask? I want to go a little deeper into that. We got a lot of fun stuff to do, and and, and uh, we're going to talk NFL with Pete Prisco. He's going to tell us what he thinks about the Pro Bowl and uh, what he thinks about what the next step is for the Jaguars. So we're going to get into that. Prisco talking NFL. We're going to talk Texas, Oklahoma. Kyle Trask. A lot coming up in the third hour. And I want you to reveal your idea for the playoff for the loser money playoff. Be happy to. That comes up. All that comes up in the third hour of the program. Stay with us. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Prisco. The Briscoe Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles, always our sponsor of the uh, Prisco Report. Head to Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles if you, uh, you uh, want the best, and I mean the best Trevor, all those Trevor items, man. If you're a Trevor fan or a Jaguar fan or whoever you root for, head to Showtime today. It's located at the corner of Phillips and Shad. You can always find them on Facebook, Twitter. And Instagram. Pete Prisco joins. Pete, how you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? How are you? We are good. Um, do you care about the Pro Bowl stuff? Did you ever care about it? Did you think it was a waste? Uh, what do you think about the, the the whole Pro Bowl thing? The game was a joke. I mean, let's be real. I mean, the game got out of control. Guys weren't even trying. It didn't matter. You know, back in the day, those those guys tried to win because they needed the money. Right. They don't need the money anymore, and, and so the game became a joke. I don't mind guys getting to get together for a weekend because i mean that's basically what they're doing is they're getting together and having a little fun and and the competitions are funny i mean i don't know if you guys saw the the um the dodgeball game it was kind of funny yesterday so i get it they want to try and keep something going so guys get rewarded for the season but come on give me a break it doesn't really matter pete were you at all surprised by tom brady's retirement and do you think that this will be his final retirement you know, after hearing Clyde Christensen talk about how tough it was for Tom Brady last year, he lost 15 pounds. It's not like he had 15 pounds to lose over the course of, uh, you know, the issues with his wife and everything else and divorce. I, I think it was it weighed on him, and, and the season was tough. They weren't good, and even if they were good, I still think it weighed on him. And ultimately, you get to be, you know, he always said he wanted to play to 45. Well, there he is. And ultimately, you get to that point, and you say, hey, how much of my life have I missed because of what I've dedicated to football? And now it might be time just to go, you know, spend some time with the kids. And and granted, he's going to be doing football games, but that's entirely different from his maniacal ways to try and get ready for a season. So uh, I, I'm I'm surprised a little bit because I thought he thought he might make one more run uh, with some team, maybe even back to Tampa. But the fact is, he had a tough year, and I think that really contributed to him walking away. Pete, what did you think of Denver hiring Sean Payton? You know, look, Sean's a great coach. He's arguably one of the best play callers in the NFL, if not the best. You know, Kyle Shanahan's right up there with him. I think Doug Peterson's a heck of a play caller, too. But uh, I think Sean Payton will be good for Russell Wilson. The question becomes, can he fix Russell Wilson? You know, when he and, and, you know, somebody was telling me the other day that Russell Wilson liked to think compare his game to Drew Brees. They're entirely different. You know, Drew Brees did his pre-snap, you know, and before the snap and everything he did was, you know, one, two, three, four, check it down, and, and Russell Wilson's one, two, and get out of there. And that was a problem last year because he couldn't get out of there. He wasn't fast enough. He looked a little heavy at times, and, you know, you don't get faster as you get older. We know all, we all know that. And so I think 
it's going to be a real challenge for Sean to get Russell Wilson to come close to being what he used to be or even in the vicinity of a guy like Drew Brees. So what do you think about Russell Wilson? I've, I've always been a big, big fan. I really like him. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But, boy, I, I was shocked. That, you're right. He looked a little heavy. He looked heavy-legged at times. He looked – he wasn't decisive. Uh, and – well, and but he but statistically he had, had great years until last year. Even the last year in Seattle, people panned him, but his numbers are twenty five touchdowns, eight picks, or something like that. Where do you? He's only thirty three or thirty four, Pete. What do you think? Where, where, where is this thing headed for him? See, Frank, and I was always a critic of Russell Wilson because yeah. I thought I thought he was the game manager when he had the top ranked scoring defense four yeah. years in a row. Yeah. You know, the only other team that did that was the dynasty of the Browns in the fifties. That's incredible to be able to play with a team like that, and then when they were coming apart on defense, then he became much better and they let him cook and he was loose and free and he can move around. He made plays outside the pocket and he put up big touchdown numbers. And you mentioned the last year in Seattle, the numbers were okay, but he wasn't very good. Right. And I think they knew that this was coming. And so that's why they unloaded him. And last year, it's so easy to blame it on Nate Hackett. I mean, everybody, Oh, Nate Hackett. That's why. No, it was him. He did not play well. And I don't know if he can get back to being the same kind of quarterback. Because when you move and everything you do is predicated on you getting out, and I'm not talking about running, but getting outside and creating with your legs, keeping your head up and making big plays, and you don't move like you used to, then what's your game you know, down to now? It's going in the pocket, and that's not something that you've been ever comfortable doing. So I think that's a problem for him. I don't know if Sean can fix it, but if anybody can, he can. Pete, do you have an early feel for a Super Bowl pick? Yeah, I picked the Chiefs. Um, in large part because I think Mahomes will have two weeks to get ready. And, you know, when everybody says, oh, remember the game when he lost that, you know, to the Bucks, he got beat up. And, uh, you know, well, these, this offensive line in Kansas City is much better. I mean, you're, you're talking about three interior guys that are outstanding. The two tackles are, you know, the weak spots, but they're, they're you know, above average players, particularly Orlando Brown. So it's a much better offensive line than what he had that year. And, and I know the Eagles had 70 sacks, but I think you can still hit them for some big plays down the field. The question becomes, can the Chiefs hold up against the Eagles' run game? And I don't think they can. I think both teams are going to score a lot of points, but in the end, I'm going with Mahomes. I think he's just going to be – this is one of those years where a guy like him is going to win the MVP and just finds a way to get it done. And, you know, typical Mahomes fashion. Last, you know, against the Bengals, typical Mahomes standing there and what you do is you, you know, you, you can't move like you normally can. You can't get through like you normally can. So your result is a better quarterback because he now goes through his progressions faster and checks the ball down. So uh, the guy's getting better and better by the year, and I think he'll find a way to win. Pete, how would you evaluate quarterback Josh Allen's season? You know, I think he was asked to do too much. You know, they're one of those teams where at some point you got to run the ball when you need to run it. And you can't just count on him to bail you out all the time. And I think that kind of wore on him as the season went on. He pressed too much. The other thing is, is they took away Diggs and none of those other guys stepped up. I mean, you know, Gabe Davis was supposed to be the breakout guy. And I thought, I'm guilty of it. I thought he'd have a breakout season after what he did in the playoffs. It didn't happen. And so when you watch them play in the playoffs, they, they, they didn't get open against the Bengals. They, they got covered in that game. They need to get help on the outside for him. They need to run the ball better. Uh, the offensive line wasn't great all year, and I think that put so much on him that I think it wore him down at the end of the season. I still think he's a great player, and, and that's the greatness of the AFC, by the way, right now. You can sit there with Jacksonville and say, hey, they got Trevor Lawrence, they're set, but now you got to deal with Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen all the time, and Herbert, if you want to throw him in as well. 
Let's get to the Jaguars. Um, biggest needs, Pete, I guess pass rush and cover corner jump to the forefront. What do you think is going to happen with – obviously they'd love to keep Ingram, Taylor, and, and, and Key if they can. Taylor could be really expensive. Ingram might have to be tagged. Where do you see all that headed? I saw your poll this week. What, what was the outcome of the poll uh, on Taylor? What, give me what – was it our poll or somebody else's, Gib? I thought it was what was the poll again? Tendic- it was, uh, should they retain um, Juwan Taylor? It might not have been our show. but what, I think it was Jaguars today, but okay. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, I thought I don't know if it was the poll. Or I, I thought it was on your your, your guys' website, but uh, that, you know, your Probably was. Uh, Twitter. What's yeah. a poll? Yeah. And the answer to that question is, yes, they should. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm in the minority. I know I am on that, but all you got to do is look at these two teams in the Super Bowl. If right. you're good on the offensive line, you're going to be good. I mean, and, and they, if they're good on the offensive line and they have that quarterback, they're going to be really good. And, and so why weaken yourself at a, at a, at a, on a group that's improving by the year? Why would you do that? So I'd find a way to keep Taylor. Uh, I'd sign him probably and, and, tag, uh, and tag Evan Ingram if I had to. I, I'm keeping both of them. I, I don't want to take the strong point of the team and make it any weaker. It just makes no sense to me. Build around that quarterback. Let that quarterback go. Uh, and and you add Ridley to the mix, and all of a sudden now you got another weapon. So no, I would make sure I keep Taylor, and I would make sure I keep it. Pete, we haven't had to deal with restructuring here, you know, covering the Jaguars. Uh, from your expertise, how difficult is it? How easy is it? What what kind of difficulty, in your opinion, will they have when we talk about you know restructuring these deals? Because this is new territory for the Jaguars. They have a rich owner and a good owner, and one who's willing to put cash out. And when you're willing to put cash out, you can do whatever you want to. That's the bottom line. You know, the Raiders back in the day when they were playing in Oakland, they didn't have a lot of cash. So it was tough for them uh, to, you know, do restructuring. And Because what the guys want is, you want the money now. And if you're going to give me, if I'm due, you know, $45 million and my cap figure is high this year, but you're going to give me that quicker and less than the cap figure by spreading it out over the next five years, I want the cash. And so that's what it comes down to. If you have an owner that's willing to pay the cash, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. It's period. And I think Shad Khan is that guy. He's one of the richer, richer owners in the league. I know their revenues aren't quite what some of the other big market teams are, but they're getting there. And I think if he's willing to make those cash commitments to restructure, he'll restructure and they'll keep as many guys as they possibly can. Pete, how did you think Trevor Lawrence did in the Pro Bowl last night? Wasn't good, I didn't think. When he threw it, he wasn't that great. I, I was expecting a Marino-like performance. Remember, Marino hit the dot from about 60 right, yards down right. the field. Um, uh, you know, but then again, doesn't really matter. Derek Carr looked like he could beat anybody in anything, and we know better than that. So, no, I, I don't think it really matters. Pete, where are the, where's this quarterback thing going? Well, if you, you had to guess, who plays quarterback? Where's Jimmy Gigo? Who plays for the Raiders? Who's the Bucks quarterback? All these team Panthers, whoever, all these teams, you don't have to get them all right, but give me just some, some off the top of your head, guys who could wind up somewhere. Well, you got to figure Derek Carr is going to – I think Washington could be in play for Derek Carr. Okay. I think Tampa could be in play for Derek Carr. I mean, look, the, the Tampa's not playing with Kyle Trask, right. uh, nor are they playing with Blaine Gabbert. Right. Uh, Washington, are they playing with Sam Howell? Probably not. So I think Derek Carr could make sense in both those places. Um, I, I don't – you know, Jimmy G, probably the other one. I mean, you could end up with the other one there. Um, you know, I think Lamar Jackson's going back. I think they'll tag him if they get in a situation where they have to. I mean, it'd be foolish to trade him away. What are you going to get? Two ones? Then what do you do? 
look right. to fill your quarterback position. Right, that's right. And you know, so you don't want to do that. So I, I know I and and so I don't know where he plays. And then what happens with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that's the question. Is Aaron Rodgers willing to restructure that contract? Because that's a brutal contract if you take it on from a cap standpoint. Is he willing to redo the contract to go get traded maybe to the Jets? And are the Jets willing to give up two number ones to go get him? And what does that mean for the Jets? If the Jets give up two number ones for Aaron Rodgers, are they suddenly the team to beat the division? No, because Buffalo still is. So, uh, you know, I think, but I think the Jets are willing to make that move to try and go get an Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, and then, then you got to look at the draft. I think Bryce Young winds up in Houston, which, by the way, is a great job. You know, and Jaguar fans don't want to hear this, but I'm going to put this out there. That's a great job right now. They have 20 draft picks in the first three rounds over the next two years. Wow. Four number one, four first round picks. Four. Wow. Four in the first round. And then not only that, they have a ton of cap money. And young players who are starting to get better, like Stingley and Pierce. And when Mechie comes back, and, you know, they're going to be, when you watch, they're, you know, that's why the Jacksonville's window to dominate the division, in my mind, is the next couple of years. And so take advantage of that. Don't, if you want to keep a guy, keep him. Pay him the cash, restructure the contract. If you want to keep Juwan Taylor, pay him. If you want to keep Evan Ingram, tag him. If you want to go get out a couple free agents, and you know, because you, you can save money. You can get rid of Shaq Griffin's gone. You save a boatload of money. And, and there's other ways to restructure the contracts on that team. What do you do with Agnew? He's due five million. You save four and a half. Get him to restructure. Keep him around. There's ways to save money and make it happen. I think Jacksonville's window for next year and the year after that is outstanding because the division is so bad. And again, we said it last week. They play the NFC South next year. Did you like the Texans hire of D'Amico Ryan? I think he's a great hire. I think he's the perfect. And, and you know, I don't know D'Amico that well, but when I used to go to the Texas practices, and he was always made available, and always would sit there and talk, and was always one of those guys. You just got this sense from him that he understood what was going on. A in the locker room, understood the players around him, and would someday be a heck of a coach. And, and I think he's it's a great hire for them. And. You know, you got to fix the quarterback position. You could just sit there and say, okay, well, they'll draft Bryce Young. It'll be fit. You don't know that. He might be a bust. But if they fix the quarterback position and he's the real deal, then watch out for the Texans because they're the team that's going to end up being the one that pushes the Jaguars in the next couple of years. What do you think the Titans do at quarterback? That's a tough question because I don't think Willis is close to play. Mm. You know, there was some thought that Rodgers could end up down there, and nobody in Jacksonville wants to see that no, happen. That's for that. sure. Don't want that. No. Yeah, so I, I mean, look, Willis can't be the quarterback. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Tannehill, and then, and then if that doesn't work out, then maybe you go make a move for one of those other guys. Right, Pete, you know, here's the other thing, though, guys. If you got, if you threw Tannehill, Garoppolo, Carr, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, um, you know, these guys all in the pool. You pick one and spread them all out. All the other different teams, whatever you, ha- whatever way you want to do it. Is there really that much difference in those guys? They're not win because of their win with guys. If everything goes right, you can win with them. They're not win because of guys. That's the greatness of the Jaguars right now. They have a win because of guys. There aren't many teams that have that. They now have that, which is why their window is wide open right now and they should take advantage of it. Uh, that, that was really well stated, what you said earlier. This is your window. So if you have to do some deals you ordinarily wouldn't do, restructuring Agnew, uh, kicking some money into the future, that's what they haven't done. Kick, that's a really good take. If you ever were going to do stuff you ordinarily wouldn't do, do it this year to take advantage of the window. Great point. Final thing, Pete. Uh, it's a year ago that uh, Doug Peterson was hired a year ago today uh, that Doug became the coach. 
where's he headed? I, I, I think he's going to win another one. I think he's going to be the first coach to ever win a Super Bowl in two different markets. I think he's headed maybe to the Hall of Fame. What are the next four or five years under him going to be like in your mind? Absolutely. He's got a great opportunity here to win another one. And you know what? Look, if he doesn't, it will be a disappointment in the next five years. He's that good of a coach. He's that good of an offensive play caller. He understands the modern player. He understands how to relate to him. He knows how to push and when to pull. And he knows what it takes to win in the league and to get the skins on the wall because he's done it. And he's been around as a player and a coach. I think, look, a year ago, there, remember, there was talk about Byron Leftwich, and that wouldn't have worked out for him. And then they had the disaster in the year before. They got the right guy, and he's a heck of a coach. Uh, and he will continue to be a heck of a coach. And I, I, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl in the next five years, it's a major disappointment in Jacksonville. Pete Prisco checking in from CBS Sports, brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Pete, have a good weekend, man. Talk to you next week. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Pete talks to NFL football better than anybody I know. It's brought to you by Showtime. All that great Trevor gear. Whoever it is you root for, head to Showtime, located on Phillips Highway, right at the end of Shad Road. More in a moment. Stay with us. You know what? I'm a chicken fried. A cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. All right, my night tonight. Pair of jeans, check. Cold beer, check, check. I don't think I'm having fried chicken, but I get the rest of it. It's good. Love Friday nights. Friday nights are great. Yep. I'm already wearing my jeans, and I'll be uh, yeah, I'll drinking pro- shortly. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> you got a concert, huh? I do, yeah. Who's Looking playing? Who's playing again? It's a guy named Warren Ziders. Warren Ziders. Mm-hmm. Okay. No one's ever heard of him, but yeah. it's somebody that, like a lot of people, I yeah. like to discover on Spotify, and so I found him, and I really like his sound. And he doesn't he doesn't have any songs on the radio yet, so that's why a lot of people wouldn't know who he is, but looking forward to it. So you do that sometimes. Yeah, I, I, and I applaud you for it. It's not... I'm to the point now that I have to know the act and I absolutely have to know the songs for me to ever want to go see somebody. Well, I'll know the songs because I'm a crazy person and that's what I've been listening to for the past month or so. Is he country? He's country, but it's not like any other country that you would have heard. And he's not like Stapleton either, so I'm not going to say that. He's much more rock vibe, I would say, than country. He's not. But he grew up in, like his songs will say, like he grew up in the backwoods in Pennsylvania. But he's not, he's not. Beer pickup truck dog. No, no, definitely not like that. Okay. Will you know all the words? I'll know most of them. I didn't spend the extra like few hours that I normally would to like literally memorize every word. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. And so, because I've told myself that I don't need to know every word to every song. And so tonight is going to be a test to see how I do with that. So you'll be the best fan in there. Most likely. Yeah. I mean that. Well, there's probably well, like some sort of groupies or something. You know, he's like 22 years old, so I'm sure there's some 22 year old girls that yeah, think but they won't know all the him. words to the songs. If they're smart, they would have learned all the words yeah. to the songs. But, if they're trying to get know, his attention, yeah. That, <laughs> but yeah, I'm usually the one person that like everyone knows a couple of the songs, and then there will be some songs that nobody knows, and then there will be me. Yeah, Sunday night I'll know a few. It's of the intriguing. Songs. <laughs> Again, if you're at this show, yeah. Right. <laughs> Email your please, video of Lauren Brooks. Please do War- not. War- yeah, yeah. Please do not. The Warren Ziders show. Yes, we don't need any video of me, just video of him. War- yeah, and by the way, if you're the if the Springsteen show on Sunday, please take video of me. Okay, okay <laughs> please, whatever you. I, I'm, I will encourage you to take the video of me at the. Now he's going to play some new stuff 
Yeah, he's got he's got some stuff from Letter to You, and, 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 okay, he, and he, so every contract, every Springsteen show I've ever seen, he does mix in. I guess everybody does five or six of the new ones. Is that the time that you'll use to like go to the bathroom and get a drink? Uh, maybe, maybe I won't get up much. Won't get up much. Yeah. Like, like he's gonna he does a cover of Night Shift, mm-hmm. the old Commodore song. It's really good. I mean, it's a really, it's really. He's got a, a smoothness to the, a, an easiness to the rhythm. It's all you can you can hear it on Spotify. It's it's really good. So so yeah. Now I haven't seen him in concert in over ten years, like real concert, if not longer. I won't be getting up very much. You know, this yeah. this is. I mean, you got to go to the bathroom to go up. But I mean, other than other than you can't help it get up. And does he do intermission or just fully? He's never done he, intermission in, in the past. Okay. He, he goes out. He's twenty eight songs, twenty songs, walks off. Waits for the people to go crazy. Comes back out and does his eight. It's an eight song encore. No opening act. No, no. no. I, I don't. I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Fourteen times. I've never. Well, Thirteen plus the, the the Broadway. I've never seen him with an opening act. He walk. There's not a lot of fanfare. He walks out there, plays, loses his mind. He says hello and starts playing. Did the Rolling Stones have an opening act when they, y'all saw them? They did. did. It was the uh, um, revivalists. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. Okay. They, they did, but no, no. Spring, Warren Ziders will open for Springsteen. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he he's this. Uh, <laughs> Which one wishes? Warren Zider okay. wishes he would, <laughs> I he would maybe, open. Maybe, I didn't know if Bruce would wish. If, if Bruce, no. No. Bruce, uh, Bruce. There are certain acts that do not need an opening yeah. act. Yeah, I did see this. I saw some of the, all the videos I saw that he does have some of the light stuff. I didn't think they'd have a lot of the lights. You know, everyone's mm-hmm. got the lights now. So I wonder did, if there'll be a special guest appearance. Yeah, yeah. There. Well, now he's over the years, he's had someone walk out. But it's probably more likely Billy Joel than Warren Ziders is his problem. Oh so, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Again, no one's ever heard of the guy. I'm going yeah, to see. Yeah, the, uh, now I, they have the be- the best Springsteen show I've told you this I ever saw was here in Jacksonville right before they knocked down the Coliseum. Whatever year that was, they he walked out there. You know, I mean, he was he crushed it. It was the Rising tour, and it was unbelievable how good he was. And I remember going on the air the next day and said, "That's it. You can knock it down now. You can talk, you can knock that thing down. There's no you don't need. No one get the wrecking ball, which is one of his songs, by the way. His wrecking ball, by the way, is different wrecking ball than Miley Cyrus. Miley, it's a different song. Or Eric okay. Church. Okay. Yeah, okay. Eric Church has one too. Yeah, the uh, the concert that I don't remember the band, but a friend of mine I told you the video or told you the story and showed you the video, yeah. Frank. They were in New York City for a bachelorette party a few <laughs> months ago, and they were there for some right. band that's popular right now. And Bruce walked out and did a couple songs. The Killers. The Killers. Okay. It wasn't a new band. It was the Killers. Okay. Yeah. The Killers. The Killers. Remember that? Can you imagine you're in Madison Square Garden for the Killers, and all of a sudden Bruce Springsteen walked out? They did like three songs together: one Killer song, one Springsteen song, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be very cool. So he he introduces the band by the way during Dancing in the Dark, not during Freeze Out. Just thought I'd share that with you. Interesting. It is interesting. So Texas and Oklahoma are probably not coming early. Everyone, I see so many people that are distraught by that. I'm not distraught. We gotta play, we're going to have to play them enough years. Uh, does that bother you that it may be 25, not 24, before Texas and Oklahoma get there? It bothers me, Justin, that it is just such a long process right. from us being just blown away at SEC Media Days in 2021 when that news broke from the Houston Chronicle about the move. Uh, to now, you know, you're still two years away from them actually participating in an SEC competition. It's disappointing in that regard. Yeah, I mean, from Florida's perspective, uh, you know, Florida doesn't necessarily need to see Oklahoma and Texas show up on their schedule. But I, I don't. I also don't think Oklahoma and Texas are going to be 
Like, I'd almost rather play Oklahoma and Texas than Ole Miss and South Carolina because Oklahoma and Texas won't be used to playing in this league week in and week out. And so I, I do wonder I you. initially, you might actually want to catch Oklahoma and Texas in that first year or one of them. Um, but I, I just for the league, as a fan of the SEC, uh, it's disappointing because, I mean, again, the matchups that that conference is going to have week in and week out when you add those two I I mean even if Texas and Oklahoma are you know eight and four teams in the SEC which is what I think they will be it's still going to be phenomenal to see oh, no question those brand. logos against yeah. the traditional SEC yeah. power logos. But, but for me it's only one more year and they are coming it's just one more year and that's one more year for my team to get up to speed so I don't mind one more I don't mind one more year uh, because I do think Florida's going to get it built under him. I, I, by the way, I watched his press conference. Mm-hmm. I, number one, the, the theme of what Florida's doing is pretty clear. He wants them to be gigantic. Well, if you watch his presser on signing day, every time they asked about a guy, he talked about height, exact. Did you see this? Height, weight, and what they weighed today. Did you see that? Uh, he was up to 328 today. Uh, yeah, he, we, talk, we clocked him at 22 miles an hour the other day. Yeah, he was up to two. Did you, did you, uh, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he is. He's trying to build an offensive line. They're all six seven three fifty, and he's trying to build a defensive front. They're all six five three twenty, and he wants to have the biggest team in the league. It's amazing if you look at what he's doing. I mean, the portal guys, the high school guys, the guy, everybody. Those linemen aren't just good; they're big. It's amazing how many truly big guys. And I mean, they'd ask him about this linebacker, the, the guy from the guy from Houston, Nunnery. Where he goes, oh, he's six one and a half. Uh, he was 224 today. He was the special teams player of the year two years ago. I mean, he, 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 he went height and weight on every guy. It was, it was interesting to me that how, that is. what he's trying to do. Yeah, the other good thing as far as Texas, Oklahoma not entering until 2025 is we at least get to keep SEC West and SEC East That's right. the divisions. So it helps your proclamation as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got to win it in a hurry. But, yeah. the, uh, uh, but no, I, I – uh, I, I'm I'm the only guy that liked East West. Everybody else wants it. Not I oh, love. Really? I love. I East like West. East West. I like East West. I understand you're playing more teams. Now. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, we're in the minority. Legends yeah. and losers, or whatever. Yeah, those yeah. where that was lame. It's uh, interesting that that is. That's that's the <laughs> lamest of the lame. It's interesting. So this year in the ACC, they're done with divisions. So the the ACC title game starting this year could be Clemson, Florida state this okay. year. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Well, that's good because yeah. no one ever knew right. who right. was in the coastal or the yeah. Atlantic. Right. But I, you know, I, I, I think it'll be fun when you just have to finish in the top two to, yeah. I, I think those matchups will be better. Well, all the, well, the, the yeah. logic says they'll be better because yeah. you're, you're, there's no danger now of a, of a team that's uh, eight, no in the league playing a team that's, Five yeah. and three. You'll never have like Jim McElwain, Gator East champion right. you know, teams playing. <laughs> yeah, in it. that's right. So, so, but I, but I, just the truth. I, lo- I always loved the East and the West. I always liked it. Again, some of the most fun I had watching football are those uh, Tennessee Florida game. Take a break. Lauren's going to wrap the program and wrap the week with news and notes after this. Marvin, he was a friend of mine. And he could sing his song His heart in every line Marvin Sang of the joy and pain 
Is this on the set list? It is. Isn't it good? This is really good. Isn't it good? I've never heard this. It's really good. This is it's an old Commodore song. Yeah. But it's it's listen. About Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Yeah. In honor of Yeah. Talk to me. So you can see what's going on. Came out right after he died. Yeah. Commodores did it right after he died. It's called Night Shift. It's unbelievable. It's a great song. And, and, and Bruce will crush it. And it's on the and it's in the that's concert. Right. It's actually an 80s song, even though the yeah. Commodores are, yeah. that's not their right. era. Right, right. But they recorded it in honor of Marvin Gaye. That's it's correct. fantastic. It's a great song. Isn't that great? That, that is, is a great. great. I mean, it is great a great cover. cover. It is a, and, he, and, he, and he's got a smooth yeah. and a smooth mm-hmm. smooth. I agree. It's, it's, and it's on there. It's going to be great. Well, he probably also revered Marvin Gaye. Yeah, he really loves Motown. He loves music. Right. He loves other acts. But he loves Motown. He loves uh, who's the, he and didn't he induct? He either inducted Darlene Love or he sings Darlene Love's. What's that song by Darlene? Love? My guy is it? My guy, you know the song I'm talking about. My boy, my boy. Anyway, this, this song about Darlene Love called My Boys. He sang it with her. The boy I'm gonna marry. That's something. It's Darlene Love. It's my, I think it's my. I don't know something. There is one called My Boy. My my boy. Okay. It, 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 the when she's inducted into the hall. He sings background with her. You can get it on Spotify, Lauren. You can get Darlene Love and Springsteen singing My Boy. It's fantastic. So so he, he he's he's big into that. Or a fine, fine boy. Is that it? That's maybe, it. Maybe that's, that's it. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. That, that, that's fine, it, fine Gibby. It's yeah. a fine. It's a fi- I, I got it wrong. A fine, fine boy. A fine, fine boy that Darlene Love sings and Springsteen sings background. You can find it. and It's all over. And it's really good. Really, that's really awesome. Good. All right. Well, there was some shakeup in the world of college football this past week. Hayes, take it away. All rise. Now, Hayes Carline's closing argument. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Presented by the personal injury law firm of Harrell and Harrell. Order. Alabama made a tremendous hire uh, earlier today. Nick Saban does it again, hiring Tommy Reese as his new offensive coordinator. Reese was outstanding for Notre Dame, Frank, I know you saw him, uh, you know, close out a, a great career with the Fighting Irish in the in the Gator Bowl win uh, over South Carolina. So Tommy Reese is is leaving. So let me approach this from a Florida perspective. Can we please get Sam Hartman to the swamp now? Is it too late? Can we get him enrolled in some geology class in Gainesville so that we can rectify the wrong of Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame over Florida? Can I please have that? Notre Dame, release him from his letter and let him come to Florida because he has been swindled. (laughs) Of all the beautiful things in the world, your desperation to get (laughs) Sam Hartman is glorious. It is absolutely glorious. So, um, I co-sign. Yeah, there you go. I loved Sam Hartman before this past about, season. But I'm with you. You know, if I need to sign something, I'm with you. The uh, I do think Tommy Reese is going to be very good at Alabama. I, I noticed some Notre Dame fans didn't like him, but I, but I don't know, man. And I mean, I saw Stuart Mandel and Adam Rittenberg. These guys they cover the Big West. Why would they want him? Why would they want him? And they, and they covered the Big Ten. I that area, but. Boy, I tell you, the game I saw him, he was really good. I I felt bad. I had lunch with my buddy John Spicklemeyer, who played at Notre Dame, and so I mentioned it, and John hadn't seen it yet. He was like, "Oh no!" and and because he he thinks Tommy Reese is outstanding, he was really sad to see him go. And Reese is the next big head coach. He's the next. Someone's grabbing him in the next year or two, and I'm sure his thinking is rather than stay at Notre Dame and be in a good year ten and two, uh, go to go to Alabama, uh, where everybody knows you, and they show those shots of that press box the whole time and go win the national title, which everybody thinks they're going to do or they're going to be in it. 
And then the next thing you know, you look up and you are the head coach at uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, right. So I think he's <laughs> in line to do that. Does Brian Kelly call plays? No. Okay. Never so, has. So then Reese called the plays at Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's not why he didn't come no, with Notre, Brian Kelly to right, no, Brian Kelly wanted him to go. He right. wanted to stay. Yeah. All right. In the world of the NFL, I just saw this online and I love it. Tennessee has a proposal out to have an official holiday for the day after the Super Bowl. Love it. Love it. I, I'm, I mean, I, I do love it. I mean, I think if, if football wasn't so traditionally Sunday-based, the, the Super Bowl should be on Saturday anyway. It should be a Saturday event. Now, you can't do it because it's been Super Bowl Sunday for so long it would just feel too weird. But the Super Bowl should be on Saturday. There's nothing else going on shut down everything else in sports, and play the Super Bowl on Saturday and have Sunday to recover. That's what they should be doing, but I understand the Heritage will never allow that. I, I hope that's not true. I, I mean, I hope that they're, they're not that stubborn in the league office because the game should be on a Saturday. And it would take all of one Super Bowl for us to get over the, man, this used to be on a Sunday and now it's on Because you know what's going to happen? Everybody's going to be like, on Monday, wasn't it so great that the Super Bowl was on a Saturday night and you could sort of rest on Sunday? I I hope that the NFL will eventually go to it. And one thing that's kept it on Sunday, too, is television ratings are way better on Sunday than they are Saturdays, like night and day. But it's the Super Bowl. Your ratings are going to be fine. It's still the Super Bowl. You're not losing any TV viewers because you played it a day earlier. Tennis. But I don't think they ever will. Tennessee may get the holiday, but it's not like they're going to be celebrating a Super Bowl right, anytime right, soon. Right. Florida, I think you, lawmakers need you to know start what? working Tennessee, on it. Tennessee lawmakers ought to get it passed so they can celebrate uh, when Trevor Lawrence uh, beats beats the Green Bay Packers, and and it makes it even happier for me to, that they'll have to celebrate that in Nashville. He was born in Tennessee. So, yeah, yes, he was. Or just in Knoxville, I think. Yeah, I think he was like born in Knoxville. Correct. And yeah, they, he was. And they couldn't get him because Butch. Whatever, Butch Jones. Jones was the coach, and he blew it. That's what I'm told. Makes sense. NFL it. Rookie Watch just tweeted this out. Several NFL scouts reportedly believe Anthony Richardson is worth a top 10 pick just based off of his potential alone. One NFL scout believes Richardson belongs in the conversation for the top quarterback in the NFL draft. Of course, as we know, he is currently preparing for the combine. Well, when Denny tweeted out a picture, so you see his pipes. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Um, they make mine look small. They, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> <laughs> your pipes. The uh, the I, I will tell you this. Here's what Anthony Richardson is not going to be: a mediocre quarterback. He's not going to be Kirk Cousins. Okay, Me- dead on. He he is either going to be, he's either going to win four Super Bowls and MVPs, or he's going to be out of the league in five years. Yeah, but he's not, there. There will be no in between for Anthony Richardson. I totally agree. Nate Davis from USA Today Sports wrote about the 16 best NFL teams of all time that didn't reach Super Bowl Sunday. Number 15 on the list, the 1999 Jaguars. He said, easily the best team in the Jaguars' brief history. The top-seeded AFC Central champs were 0-3 against the Tennessee Titans that year, but 15-0 against everyone else, including a 62-7 playoff runaway from the Miami Dolphins in quarterback Dan Marino's final game. That is a great team. I, I, I think they would have won the Super Bowl. I think they would have beaten the Rams. I, uh, they just couldn't get over the hump again. That mental thing against the Titans. And it's a shame because that was a great football team. No doubt about it. In the well, – well, let me rephrase. Since today is one year since the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson, I want to go down just a little bit down the uh, urban train from the past year. Urban was on an episode of All Things Covered podcast with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden. 
And he said that he was done. He was retired. He had some health issues at Ohio State. He was approached by a few NFL teams, and the Jaguars really appealed to him. Trevor Lawrence, who might be a Hall of Famer someday. Again, these are Urban's words. He's that good. Obviously, it didn't go well. But I had no plans of doing that at all. It just happened. Hayes, how do you just happen into an NFL head coaching job? Well, and again, this goes back to, you know, he sat there and completely lied about, I've studied this for a year, and (laughs) I've talked to all my former players that are playing in the NFL, and I've talked to all these coaches. He hadn't studied anything. And it was completely obvious. Uh, The first sign was how long it took him to hire his staff. That that was a when he when he got up in front of us for the first time and was like and now I'll start working on my staff. Everybody sort of looked like did he just say that? Like he's not <laughs> going to give us a list of his eight or nine assistants so far that he has and and maybe you still have a couple more that you have to hire, but he doesn't already have like an idea of what his staff is going to be. And then I mean I still will. I will never understand how you put Trevor Lawrence in a quarterback competition <laughs> for the first three and a half weeks of training camp with Gardner Minshew to only trade Gardner Minshew before the opener. It is. It will go down as one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a coach do in any level of sports. Hard yeah. to argue any of that. I'm with him. He also hired Chris Doyle, who had already been embroiled in controversy, and that didn't go over well and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it uh, thankfully that is over, and we get to move on to bigger and better things. Frank, you'll never guess what Mookie Betts is doing this week. Tell me. He's in Indianapolis trying to qualify for the U.S. Open Championship in bowling. He has That's at, fantastic. He has at least five Perfect 300 games. Oh, he's a great bowler. I didn't. I had no idea. I had no idea that Mookie Best was a bowler. Who I do you that. think you are? I am. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> That's I, what I want to hear him yell. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that, as a matter of fact. I didn't know that. I, by the way, I like Mookie Betts. I'm a big Mookie Betts. Uh, the, um, I like anyone named Mookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, it's a great name. I'll, I'll say this. The worst thing the Boston Red Sox ever did was sell Babe Ruth for $100,000. That probably was dumb. But this one's second, isn't it? How do yes. you trade Mookie Betts? What are you doing? I don't care. I don't. What are you doing? I think that's an excellent question. Uh, and finally, to wrap news and notes, we have gymnastics tonight, gentlemen. I won't be able to watch live since I'll be at the mm-hmm. concert. But I wanted to let you know it's number two, Florida, at number 18, Arkansas. And Trinity Thomas is now the only gymnast in NCAA history with at least four tens on each apparatus. She had got her fourth one. So- in vault last week. So you're choosing Warren Zevon over yeah. over. <laughs> I, I like gymnastics. Warren Zevon. That would be fun. I mean, how do you make? I mean, that Werewolves choice? of London's a great song, well, but this that, is the gymnastics. That, how do you make that choice? I don't. I'm not happy with this. Well, I'll be able to watch it later, and I'm also not that worried about Arkansas. Okay. All right. Hey, I, I don't know. I keep, if you can't say something nice, I, you yeah. know what they say. So I'm just. I was uh, Warren Zevon on the beam. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, how, how you? I can't, I'll let you know after tonight. Unbelievable. How are we looking on the beam? Uh, so far, so good. We've we've been doing extraordinarily well this season overall, and uh, I'm excited after once I get to watch tonight. And yes, y'all have never missed anything in life uh, for sporting events. I'm sure. I, well. Not Warren Zevon for gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll text you updates. Yeah, yeah, right, right, absolutely, right. I will. What time does it start? Seven forty-five. 
I might text you updates. Just out of key, just, do you need to not? You would like to not watch it, so you can watch it. Just, no, it's not the same thing. If as, you like that, I would. A sporting I would, I event like like a basketball. I might have to do that. Game. I may take like screenshots. I will love to read the updates that you provide. Yeah, okay. okay, so let me give Don't you dare me. Don't dare some me. help. No, I'm not. I I would love the the updates. So on Vault, you know what you're looking for, right? Yeah, ten o. <laughs> Correct. Uh, not you all. Not you all. Don't, you don't look for a beam. 10.0. No. <laughs> Not all uh, start values start at 10.0. Some of them start a little bit lower. You have to be really good to have the 10.0 of a start value, but that's neither here nor there. So vault, you're looking for a stick, like most of the apparatuses. In bars, stick is great too, but you're looking to make sure that when they're doing their rotations, their feet are stuck together. Okay. Any feet, feet separation, together. and they're going to get deductions uh, of points in beam, you're looking for, obviously, them not to fall off the beam right, and then right. stick at the that end. That one I knew. Yep. And then floor, make sure they don't step out of bounds. Also, feet together when they do any of their uh, rotations. And then stick as well. And yeah. there's always a gator chomp. I've told you all this before. For Florida gymnastics, there's yeah. always a gator chomp somewhere in the floor routine, which Florida tonight, because it's an away meet, will finish on, not on floor. Arkansas yeah. will finish on hey, floor. you got all that? I, I wrote it all down. Okay, okay. so there you go. Feet <laughs> so y'all to, here, are not going to watch, and you're going to make fun of me because I can't watch. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what I took out of there. Feet together, yeah. stick, yep. 10.0. Stay on the beam. All good. Stay, and stay, and stay, stay on the beam. And don't fall off the beam. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. That's a complicated uh, question. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Out. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Out, versus the Jacksonville's local largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Ricky B, Ricky B, what do you got? I didn't hear you. What'd you is say? that on Versus tonight? Yeah, Brooks, yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely. Who doesn't watch Versus for crying? Yeah, we got no hockey tonight, so. No, why is there no hockey? All-Star They're off break. for 10 days. All-star break. Oh. I'm so impressed you knew that, Hayes. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Did you, you did see not. Trevor Lawrence with the water balloon <laughs> tossing contest today? I, mean, I must no. have missed that. I must have missed that. So, so I mean, because uh, now I don't have any. I, my fantasy <laughs> hockey team is <laughs> right. off. I know. The, the, I don't know what I'm How did you know that? The, the, huh? the, the best thing will be. I love this about Baloo. I'll be. We'll be. There'll be. There'll be the stories going on, and this guy's cut, and this guy's resigned, and free agency, and who's and and out of nowhere, Baloo go. Bergeron from the left, one nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right Bergeron, right on Twitter, and I'll yeah. go, I'll go. Okay, that's good. Right, yeah, right in the middle, all of it. I mean, uh, I love it. I it's love my it audience, man. They, they, you know, they, they they want it and they need it. So, uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great year, and it's it's going to be an unbelievable second half. Yeah. Uh, you see, Jessica Blaylock actually coached. I did in an alumni game. Yeah, I did with the Florida Panthers. She was having a ball. I, I just saw it on Twitter. I didn't talk to her about it. I saw it on Twitter. So. I, did you text her on her 40th birthday? I did. I did too. Yep, I absolutely, her, I did. Her a little bit. I said, "Well, I yep. told her, I told her, welcome to the party." There's just two divisions. Texas is so great. There's under 40. There's 40 and over. <laughs> we're all in it. We're all in it together now. Isn't texting like the greatest thing ever? Because yeah. I hate talking to people, <laughs> except for when I'm on the radio. I get yeah. it. I mean, that's I the it. only time I like to talk. It's just like, just don't ask me anything. I get it. I get you know, it. but uh, with texting, it's you know, you you don't have to talk to anybody. You can text and you can make it seem like you really are like inspired. <laughs> To send that text or that response to a text. I do, I do. What are we doing tonight? What so got? what's going on? What's happening, man, this Dude, weekend? Springsteen's you know? happening, okay? Yes, you got I'm the Springsteen. Up. I am very, very, very excited, but I've seen him 14 times. Not 30 and 40 like some people. I'm 14 times. Right. The uh, But I'm uh, driving down. Uh, we're going down tomorrow morning. We're going to spend uh, the weekend in Orlando. we got some other friends and uh, – and then on Sunday night, it's uh, it's all it's uh, all coming out, man. Now, are you one of those who cups the hands and goes, Bruce, 
Yes. You one of those type of guys? Yes. Okay. I, I'll yell Bruce a bunch. I'll stand yeah. up and dance and sing, and I won't sit down the whole time. Cocktails before the show. I I, I know you a little bit, You and, and you've got a wooden leg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're also a guy that, that I think wants to be able to retain and remember the show. Yeah, Where are you as far as cocktails at a Springsteen concert? I will, I will be pretty lubed up. Yes. Good, good I'll, for you. I'll, I'll, I, will not, I will be pretty lubed <laughs> up. I, we are parking. We're, we can walk to the Amway Center. I will have uh, – I will have, and because I'm not driving, I will have many beers before yeah. it starts. Be I'll have many fun. beers during it. Starting to get a little antsy, a little jealous. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, it's a big – there's not many yeah. that I get this excited about. Yeah. So um, I haven't. I don't know if I've been to a concert in Orlando. I don't. I don't believe I have. I've, I've seen. Bru- I've seen. Well, I've seen Bruce at the old arena. Okay, yeah. so I saw him there. So, so they, I don't go out of town for a lot of concerts, but mm-hmm. so, 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 all right. So they go. What's coming up? What we got a bunch. We got a couple things up our sleeve. Chad Brown in thirty minutes, uh, doing a really good job. He's a. He's also a. Uh, I love this about Chad Brown. He's a, he's a python breeder. And, and I, I remember this from back in his playing days when he was with Pittsburgh. I mean, the guy just kind of lounges on the couch, and he's got like 40 boas and pythons rolling yeah. around. But he now breeds them. So I'm going to ask him if he's ever gone down in the, the deep south to the Everglades where, you know, they all let them out as pets, and then they get bigger and they expand, and they're killing everything from human beings to alligators. Um, so we're going to do that with Chad Brown and get his thoughts on the Jaguars. Have you ever, have you ever talked to Chad Brown about Baselli? I'm serious about that. Uh, I do not, I believe I have, but I'm not sure. Baselli said the hardest guy to block in his career. Yeah. Tell, tell him that. Really? He said, John Randall, he said, and what all the big names, he said, Bruce Smith, it was, John Randall was hard because he was smaller and or shorter. He said, Chad Brown is the, Tony Baselli told me one time, Chad Brown was the hardest guy to block in my years in the league. Chad Brown was a good football I mean, player. I mean, that's, that's high praise when you say yeah. the hardest. Yep. He said the hardest one. So there you go. Right, thank, thank you. Thank you, Rick. Uh, Chad Brown. Yeah, man, I, I asked Baselli one time, and he said, of all the guys, that was the one. That was the one. Enjoy the concert. I yes. am going to have a blast. I will report in on Monday at the hate. I, I think I'll be there. You know, if I'm not, y'all start with When do we start Monday? Three? Uh huh. Yeah. Y'all start without me? Okay, I'll be uh, in, in Sawgrass. There we are. That's right. Again, start without me, but I'll be there soon enough. Folks, that's our program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Beluga's end of the night for Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby. I'm Frank Frangie. So long. I'm just sorry we're in this situation.